0: Elman, welcome to the Fairly Political Priest.
1: Oh, I was actually about to start clapping sarcastically, and then you fucked it up again. (laughs) I hate you so much. Love you too, buddy. Mm -hmm. Love you too. Yeah.
0: Alrighty then. So, So today... Even ice cream. We're kind of changing up our a little bit. We're going to talk one big old topic: big hamburger, big cheese, and that's going to be the 2016 election. Cast your mind back to November, back when we thought that we'd have a president that wasn't orange. So we were so what young and
1: one of us didn't think that. Right? So that's fair.
0: All right. When most people who voted still thought that we could have our first female president. Doodle-doodle-doo, doodle 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 Anyway, it doesn't matter. So... We're going to talk a bit about that, just kind of why we voted for who we voted. Just kind of a bit of a retrospective, I suppose.
1: Well, and I think, um, I think what I'm interested in, too, is uh, would anything change today? And I kind of want to put it in the light of developments that have happened now that we're four months into... Um, Mr. Trump's administration.
0: Jesus, it's only four, been four months.
1: Yeah, five. It feels five like months? it's
0: much longer. Yeah, just actually
2: 2020.
1: 2020
3: Like, I I feel like he's been president for the past three years.
1: Yeah. Well, so we should just, just get it out of the way, who we voted for. Uh, I clearly voted for
2: Donald Trump. Yep,
0: yeah, sounds about right.
2: Clearly. Yeah, from Indiana. Of course you did. Oh, yeah, That was the first state to hear back on, I think. Was it? Or- All right, it wouldn't surprise
1: me. I mean, we're east, we're Eastern time. Well, no, that can't be right, because parts of Indiana are central time. So it couldn't have been the first was- states to hear back. Like
2: West Virginia.
1: Yeah. yeah. Well anyway. Obviously in the primary, uh, I voted for Bernie Sanders. Uh, in the general I voted for Hillary Clinton.
3: I I am in the same vote. For primary, I voted Bernie Sanders, and in general I voted for Hillary Clinton.
2: I didn't vote in the primary and I voted in general for Trump.
1: Did you vote uh, down ballot
2: Republican? Whoops. Um. Yeah, pretty much. For like all the like minor stuff, like county things. I voted. I uh, yeah.
1: No Democrats, because, no Libertarians, none of that.
2: Uh there wasn't any on the ballot really. Yeah, there wasn't.
4: Yeah.
2: For Marion County.
4: I
3: mean, you're not really a Marion County resident, are you?
2: Um, I was that for the election.
3: Oh, I was an absentee California voter.
2: Yeah, you should have voted at Salem because it went red. <laughs> Salem did not go red Yeah, Salem, Marion County went red Holy shit By 4% So, it's it's fun being part of that But, yeah um, I voted down the line for Republicans Like, Bud Pierce was um, running against uh, Kate Browns, the governor And I liked him a bit So I voted for him over Kate Brown. Because Kate Brown is pretty much a socialist. Hmm. But she won anyways, so...
1: Score one for socialism.
2: Yeah, you got some enclaves here and there.
1: Yeah. Okay. So here's the question that I have, is... If the election were to be held again today... Would it be any different for anybody? No. Nah. No. Yeah, I also know. So, I, well, I'm it's... fascinated. Yeah. Well, I'm not fascinated. Okay, I'm interested. Uh, would, would anything have ever changed your mind, Brett?
2: To vote for I would I would consider voting libertarian if Trump like went completely off the handle. Um, not I don't, I'm not even sure if I'd vote for uh, a libertarian candidate even then, because at the end of the day it was uh, even if you didn't like Trump it was about keeping Hillary out. It was like the biggest thing
1: so you voted against Clinton more than you voted for Trump
2: no I voted for Trump and against Clinton at the same time because I really liked what Trump was saying about immigration and uh, priorities uh, heard, did you uh, I'm trying for- to think of like a scenario where like I wouldn't vote for Trump and vote for Clinton instead and I don't think there is one Um, But I think there would be, like, an insane scenario where I might vote for Gary Johnson, even though I don't like him at all. Yeah, okay, I'm Trump all the way, I guess.
3: Yeah, Gary Johnson and Chilstein, which is both very, very problematic. Because, like, the problem with third-party candidates is that usually nobody takes them seriously at all. As a result, now that we kind of ended up taking them sort of seriously, they were like, shit, we were not ready for this spotlight. Like the whole, what's Aleppo? Or, I'm not really entirely sure what the Department of Energy does. Like, actually, no, I think that was Rick Perry. But, like... um,
1: Who's now the head of the Department of Energy.
3: um, I don't remember exactly what it was, but Gary Johnson wanted to get rid of um, a department that he felt was useless. But then he couldn't exactly say what it did.
5: Well,
1: you could... Point to any random Republican And you'll probably get the same answer on that So
3: Yes and none of those people Should be the goddamn president
1: Well I mean I agree But then again So uh, Amr did you vote For Clinton or did you vote Against Trump
3: I voted against Trump
1: And why is that
3: I mean I See Hillary kind of brought me Over to her side a little bit more we started adopting some Bernie's things, but I never liked her. Like she just felt like completely insincere, like someone who just would say whatever the hell she needed to say in order to get votes. Like if gay marriage were to suddenly become massively unpopular in the United States, she would come out and say, oh, I was I hate gay marriage. Gay marriage is the worst. You know, I don't think that anyone should have ever legalized it. I only pretended to like it so that, you know, everyone would love me and that kind of thing. Like, that kind of thing. Like,
1: Did she ever really say that she hated the idea of gay marriage, though? I don't think she ever said that.
3: I mean, that's fair. But the point I'm making is that if it became popular to hate on gay marriage, I feel like she would hate on gay marriage. If it were popular to support the Iraq War, she would support the Iraq War. Like the thing I loved about Bernie, when I the reason I wanted to vote, I voted for him in the first place, is because he always stuck to his guns. He was always very much a candidate who said, "I believe in socialism. I believe in race equality. I believe in gay marriage." Like, there's videos of him talking in the '60s and the '70s. I think they're in the '60s and '70s. I'm not entirely sure, but there's videos of him in Congress. Protesting against what people are doing to the gay community.
1: Yeah, no, I, I, I get it. I mean, again, you don't have to convince me. I voted for for Sanders in the primary. I, I would say I was probably. So I'm the odd one out here in that uh, I voted for Clinton, and I actually did have some. Uh. I don't want to say reservations, but I mean, like, I wasn't, I was never a Bernie or Bust person. I was never hundred percent Bernie is, uh, perfect on everything. And that was, that was never me. Uh, I most aligned with him, but you know, I had significant problems with not with his policy stances. But I always appreciated about Clinton that she was uh, very wonkish, and um, in a way that nobody else was. Like she really understood policy and the intricacies of it, and uh, her proposals reflected that. And whereas Bernie's, I never really like. I'm a single payer person. I I want single payer, so I'm more aligned with 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 sanders on that but when sanders released a single-payer plan it was like well this is not feasible this is it's covering way too many things that most single-player plans wouldn't caused you didn't fully think this out this isn't complete right like you're on the right page but you don't have the details worked out whereas everything clinton would would release it would be like it would be like Literally, uh, a committee sat down and wrote it, because she understood the intricacies better, and I always appreciated that. So, um, But, again, I recognize that I'm the odd one out, because...
3: I don't well. think you are, though. Because I was never a Bernie or Buster. In fact, I made a Facebook post that I think Brett... I Actually, I don't know if Brett read this or not. That I call all the Bernie or Busters morons. Because, like, I actually worked for the Bernie Sanders campaign. You know, I went from door to door. I knocked on doors. I'm like, "Hey, can you vote for Bernie Sanders in the primary?" Or like, I picked up the phone and called for Bernie Sanders, you know. I did all of that. And I met a bunch of people who were like, you know, if Bernie doesn't win, then I'm not going to vote for Clinton. I'm like, "That's not okay, you know. That's not an okay thing for you to do." Because by doing that, we will end up with a Trump presidency. And even then, by continuing our campaign and by showing that these ideas have support, we can bring Hillary Clinton over to these ideas. And that was always my shtick. Like, yes, I voted against Trump because it was Trump. But at the same time, if it was Hillary Clinton against Mitt Romney, I'd still vote Clinton. If it was Hillary Clinton against george bush jr i'd still vote for hillary clinton if it was her against john mccain i'd still vote for hillary clinton
1: well but so that's what i was saying that's what i was saying where i'm the odd man out in that because what you're saying is you voted against hillary clinton or you voted against the republican as much as you voted for hillary clinton and i'm saying i voted for hillary clinton i I didn't agree with her on everything but I thought that she would have been a good, a decent to good president, right? What my point that I wanted to get to is that, uh, negative partisanship is playing a bigger role in elections. And I think that you saw that to a big extent in 2016, because one of the things that I was always concerned about was, uh, with Trump, was I I always looked at it and I said, Trump poses like he was a clown, right? Like, that's the way I looked at it, right? That's the way a lot of people looked at it. I mean, and, and I don't even just mean Democrats or liberals. On election day, his favorability was at like 40%, right? He was viewed unfavorable by the majority of people in the country. Uh, and yet he still won. He granted, he didn't win the popular vote, but he still won. And because I think what that's a product of is that's a product of negative, negative partisanship. Because again, my concern was always that Trump had awoken something that was very nationalist uh, and authoritarian and that he wouldn't be successful because people wouldn't take him seriously but I was always concerned that the next person would be successful, right? That the next person to come along that didn't insult disabled people and say that he could shoot someone in Fifth Avenue and not lose a vote and do all the things that, you know, be caught on video saying that you sexually assaulted someone, all the things that should have disqualified Trump and didn't, I thought eventually would, but eventually someone would come across that would have all the same policies but not any of the things that, and not any of the disqualifiers, and that they would win, right? But I think what instead happened was negative partisanship won, and negative partisanship is essentially referring to the fact that people vote against the other party as much as they vote for their own party. And I so, mean, that's
3: not fair. No, I, it, I wasn't vote. I didn't see I, when I vote for people. I don't think this person's a Republican. I shouldn't vote for them, or this person's a Democrat. I should vote for them. You know, I think this person wants to put lots of money into wars. This person has a bad immigration plan. What the hell is this guy doing with health
1: care? Right, but
3: the reason that I would have voted for Hillary Clinton over John McCain is because Hillary Clinton had plans to. No, actually, I don't know if she was for legalizing marijuana yet. Was she? I don't think
0: uh-huh.
3: Now she was never legalizing pot, but she was no. all about trying to work to get lower prices for schools, for raising the minimum wage, and all things that I support. So yes I, I did also vote for her, but at the same time, I'm pretty sure... You, as a person, by voting for Hillary Clinton, also didn't want Donald Trump to win. That's how voting works. By voting for one person, you imply, I want this person, not the other guy.
1: Right. No, I, I, I'm not <laughs> saying that I'm immune to this. And I'm not saying that your vote was specifically... Okay, there's roughly 60-70% to 70% of voters in any given election that are gonna vote for one side or the other, right? That's constant, right? It's the 30% that are considered the swing voters, if it's even that much, that are considered the swing voters that is a combination of people that will flip from one side to the other or are people that you'll get out to vote, right? People that you have to either get out to vote or versus stay at home, right? And so if things are going a particular way uh, you know, people that lean liberal uh, who are discontent with the status quo will be more likely to come out to vote and conservatives will be more likely to stay home or vice versa, right? My point was simply to say that it's, it, it's increasing that those people in the middle, those swing voters, and even people on the edges uh, or people in the 70% that would typically just say, no, I'm going to vote this way every time, Those people before our time, there would have been crossover, right? There would have been people that have said, no, I'm not going to vote for this person. So, for example, uh, when George McGovern uh, was nominated in 1972, right, there were several Democrats in Congress that came out and endorsed Richard Nixon running for office, right, because they couldn't agree with, with McGovern. That there was not a single Republican that came out and uh, endorsed Hillary Clinton in, in Congress, right? Like, it just did not happen. Uh, likewise, obviously, there was no Democrat that came out and endorsed Donald Trump, but Donald Trump was the not-mainstream candidate here. <clears throat> so my point is, Donald Trump didn't follow traditional party lines, because, for example, you talked about health care... I mean, let's not forget that what Donald Trump said about health care before he got elected was that everyone was going to have health care and the government was going to pay for it, right? I mean, that's an incredibly liberal policy stance on health care. He also criticized Hillary Clinton from the left on war. He kept talking about why are we getting it, why won't get on all these wars and all this stuff. So the idea that that didn't really swing... People, is what I'm talking about, and that negative partisanship uh, took over in both ways, right? So the physical conservatives who were be like, "No, I don't want single payer health care. I don't want government doing, you know, running health care and paying for health care. I do think we should be at war with ISIS and all this stuff," uh, or that hated Russia, right? They didn't flip over and vote for Hillary Clinton in the way that I guess I would have maybe expected. And let's not also forget that Donald Trump has in the past said things like he supports abortion rights, even partial birth abortions, all the way up till 2000. So where were all the pro-life people flipping on that, right? And maybe not voting for Clinton, but voting for Gary Johnson. Well, I guess that's not a good example either. Or uh, <laughs> what's his name? McMullen. McMullen, oh, right? yeah. Right, Where were the people vote, switching and voting for McMullen? And, and I think that's the thing that's fascinating. Is My point is, negative partisanship was so powerful that even in a state like Utah, where McMullen is a Mormon, uh, he's from Utah, he was polling incredibly favorably in Utah, uh, all the way up until the week before the election, and there was talk that Utah might actually be the one state that would swing away from Trump because Mormons tended not to like Trump. He lost badly in the primaries because Mormons generally saw his attacks on, on Muslims, for example, as an attack on religious freedom. And Mormons feel like they are persecuted religious groups. So they didn't like that. Right. And so, and it, but in the end it didn't matter. He still ended up winning Utah carrying over 50% of the vote. Because the negative partisanship kicked in. And, and we have poll numbers to back this up. This is the reason I bring it up. So, you know, Pew in 2014, they showed that uh, in 1994, 16% of Democrats and 17% of Republicans had an unfavorable view of the opposite party. That they thought that the other, actually, not just an unfavorable view they thought the other party was a threat to the nation's well-being in 2014 those numbers were 38% for democrats and 43% for republicans right and in 2016 it was even higher it had gone up to 41% of democrats and 45% of republicans so it wasn't just that it wasn't just that people look in, at it and say I'm voting for this candidate because they more closely align with me or I'm voting against this candidate because they have policies that I don't like. It's that I am voting against this other party because I view them as a threat to the country, even if I don't align traditionally with the candidate of the party that I'm voting for, or I won't even cross over to a third party because I don't want to risk putting Hillary Clinton in office. Right. I won't cross over to Gary Johnson or Evan Mullen because I don't want to risk Hillary Clinton. And that was more powerful than I expected in 2016. And so all the projections that had Gary Johnson at getting 5 percentage points or, you know, 6 percentage points or, you know, whatever it was, uh, some people were saying 10 percentage points. He only ended up getting like 4, right? So um,
2: up to you. Umber's a little busy there. Yeah, I think that the election might have been similar to what it was 50 years ago if you had, like, Mike Webb versus Jeb Bush. But we obviously don't live in those days anymore. And is anyone listening? Yeah, I'm listening. Okay, good. Um, <clears throat> and... I think that's probably a good thing because, if you if you look back, people it, it wasn't it wasn't really defined parties like fighting for like different sets of senators. it It's kind of like this like Republican Democrat thing. And my hope out of the this election cycle is that we get the Bernie people um, making their own socialist enclave and. The moderate democrats making their own party and the republicans like the establishment republicans making their own party and the trumpians making their own party so that people have more variety when it comes to what it's like uh to vote i don't, I don't think i think the reason why we had like republican democrat system and there was a lot of pushover like um a lot a lot of uh changing is because the only thing like really distinguishing people's views 50 or so years ago was like a couple of foreign policy issues and maybe like, I uh, don't know, like an abstract like economic concept. I mean, that's are... hmm? I mean,
0: the big difference between Democrat and Republican is the obvious one, which is small government versus big government.
2: Yeah, but even like if you get a Republican like Jeb Bush in a room with a Democrat like Mike Webb, they're going to agree on like 90% of the stuff. Their rhetoric might be different, but they're going to agree on like 90% of the stuff. So it's interesting that you say that because I actually think that
0: we've reached a point of partisan hackery that I don't think we should have reached. I don't like where we're at. I preferred like you know, back in the 60s and the 70s where we had liberal Republican and we had conservative democrats and we had a bunch of republicans who voted for a democratic bill we have a bunch of republican sorry D- democrats who voted for a republican bill yeah and that's, that's back
2: when no. both parties agreed that gay marriage should be outlawed and that's back when both parties
0: fair, and that's a wrong thing and i still think that we should have parties that sometimes agree to vote and work with the other party like john boehner
2: it's hard to do that That's when like the, there's more is issues like device
0: as speaker of the house because he had the gall to work with democrats on a budget.
1: Yeah. Well, okay. So let's let's just cut through the bullshit and let's let's be uh, uh, completely honest about what this really was, which is Republicans and Democrats <laughs> today don't have the same view on what the world should be anymore. Yeah
2: Right? Yeah, I agree with that.
0: i don't I don't think I do.
1: So so ask Brett what he thinks the world should be.
0: But I think that if as you've noticed, when it comes to things like global warming, All of us agree on what to do with global warming. There's many topics that all of us agree on. The reason that all these things aren't getting done, the reason that all these things aren't being pushed for is because of two main reasons. Because Republicans, when they go into the Senate, when they go into the House, they get elected to fight the Democrats. They get elected to be partisan hacks. When they they work with Democrats, when they work... On a combined goal, they can't come back and say, oh, no, we fought Democrats tooth and nail. Because we have this whole partisan hackery
1: thing. I and then uh, you're just putting a name on it. You're proving my point. Which my point is, the reason people keep voting for Republicans, even though... So, for example, this week, Donald Trump pulled out of the Paris Climate Agreement. Now, if you go to the polls, the Paris Climate Agreement has majority support among every single group and demographic in every single state right the support for staying in the paris climate agreement among the united among americans as a whole was 71 percent even among republicans it was a 50 i think 53 percent yeah and it has majority support in every single state in the country
2: the republicans didn't really ramp up their rhetoric about the Paris Climate Agreement, I barely heard anything about it except from the liberal side I'm mean, like, wow, look at this treaty that we passed. The Republicans didn't really talk about it until Trump and Pence got up and started saying that it harmed American business. So, it's one of those cases, once again, where like the party dictates something, and before then, people are, are usually pretty agreeable on it, but when the party dictates from above what the people should believe, then... It becomes polarized.
1: Right. But that's my point. So if you poll Americans on clean energy, Americans, there's no disagreement that Americans like clean energy. Right? I mean,
2: to be honest, though, no one really looks into this stuff like that in depth. When someone says, do you like clean energy? That sounds nice. You know, that sounds like a good thing. Do you like the Paris Climate Agreement? Oh, I like Paris. Oh, everyone was agreeing on it. I like the climate. There's not really. I mean, it goes more in depth than that. Any, like, depth of knowledge, like, in terms of, like, the average voter. But you could make that
1: argument about anything. I mean, you can make the argument about the American Health Care Act. Oh, I like America and I like health care, so therefore I like the American Health Care Act. And yet it had a 17% approval rating. So clearly people pay some attention. To well, yeah,
2: it's it's a matter the of like media belly. focus and like the media narrative, like on both sides. Like Fox News says this one thing about it, CNN says another thing about it. And while they're focused on the American Healthcare Act, who gives a shit about the Paris Climate Agreement?
1: But my point is, I like Americans in general, didn't have a problem with the Paris Climate Agreement. They don't have a problem with clean energy. The Paris Climate Agreement. It's the dumbest thing because it didn't even, there was like no hard restrictions. Like everybody pointed out, there's only two other countries that weren't part of the agreement Syria and Nicaragua, right? Syria's in the middle of civil war, so who cares what <clears throat> they're doing? Nicaragua didn't join the Paris Climate Agreement because they thought it wasn't strict enough. I mean, they plan on having their uh, electricity almost completely supplied by green energy within five to 10 years. And they said, this Paris Climate Agreement is not nearly strict enough to address climate change. Therefore, we can't sign on to it. Right? So, the point is, like, this wasn't a thing that was contentious until Donald Trump made it a contentious thing. And I think the thing that's been frustrating is that people are all of a sudden coming to... uh, You know, the Trump supporters are all of a sudden coming to him like, oh, no, there were actually these really terrible things like it enforced global socialism. It's like, what the hell are you even talking about? There's nothing concrete in the agreement at all until 2020. Like nobody even has to come up with a plan of how to reduce emissions until they meet again in 2020. So the whole thing is ridiculous. But but this is getting to my point is because we argue and we squabble over these little things that we shouldn't even be arguing or squabbling over but the it, it ultimately comes down to identity right the identity of republicans and the identity of democrats is becoming fundamentally different
2: yeah and that's why i hope things fragment up into like a bunch of different parties like i may have voted like all republican this election cycle but like last election if i could have voted i wouldn't have voted and Next election, I'm—I mean, I doubt if I'll vote for Trump, unless the Democratic candidate is really, really, really bad, which it's pretty probable that they will be, but we'll see. If Hillary uh, wins
3: again, I'm going to be really pissed off.
2: Because, I mean, I viewed the election as kind of like a critical junction, pretty much. Like, the Democrats got their way for too long, and they were kind of ignoring the Republicans and, like, the power structure. So, uh, like what Umar was saying last episode, you know, the bird with one wing, you're kind of getting that. So, this election was kind of like the wake-up call to like pay attention to the other half of the country. And I'm satisfied to that. I don't feel responsible voting like for more Republicans. Like there's a county election or some crap again, I didn't vote for that like a couple months after the election, and there's Republicans there I could have voted for, but... I find,
1: well, I, I'm sorry, I find that notion hilariously absurd. Not only have Republicans held the House for the last six years, right, installed every single thing that Obama wanted to do, from carbon taxes to immigration reform to any kind of meaningful improvements to the, the Affordable Care Act. I mean, they played obstruction they literally went backwards. I mean, you can go back to 2007 and there's a video about climate change, since we're talking about the Paris Agreement, about climate change, where it's Newt Gingrich and Nancy Pelosi sitting next to each other saying, hey, one thing we can all agree on is that climate change is real. We should be doing something about it. And now you fast forward to 2016, 22 senators, Republican senators, sent a letter to Trump asking him to pull out of the Paris Climate Agreement. And the overwhelming consensus of the Republican Party is... Climate change isn't even real. They have literally gone backwards just because Obama wanted to do something about climate change. Right? So, and and, and not to mention, during that same time, Democrats lost a thousand seats among state and federal and local levels to the point that today, like on as of 2016, 66 out of 99 legislative houses in the states were controlled by Republicans, and 32 governor's mansions. The idea that Republicans were underrepresented, I'm sorry, is just part of this continuing bullshit conservative victim complex that they want to push on liberals, but they're whining about it the most that I've ever seen. And, like, I think that's what led to this in 2016. And I don't think conservatives want to admit it, but my what I saw in 2016 was conservatives finally flipping the table and playing the victim and playing... uh, I think the best quote that I saw, and I can't remember who said it, but they said, white men started voting like they were minorities. That's what happened in 2016.
2: I mean, it's not like just because someone, like, obstructs in the House and Senate successfully doesn't mean that, like... They have a lot of control over, like, the policies in the country and, like, what direction the culture is going. So it's not so much as, like, specific about policies as it is about, like, the the culture of the country. And the culture of the country within the last 10 years has definitely gone way further left than it has ever had, probably in its history, within, like, a span of 10 years. What do you mean? I mean... Once again, like Hillary Clinton, she was against gay marriage just what, like five years ago, six years ago, and now she's for it. Transgender bathrooms. I'm not saying that that's a problem, but what I'm saying is it illustrates the change. Like, that would have been unthinkable probably about 10 years ago, and now it's happening. Um,
3: I mean, as I stated in a previous podcast, it's what lost John Kerry the election.
2: Gay marriage?
3: Yeah, because, as I stated, uh, Karl Rove and George Bush's strategy was to go all throughout the Bible Belt and say that, you know, this John Kerry fellow, he's pro-gay marriage. As a result, everyone in the Bible Belt came out in droves to vote against this gay marriage-loving presidential candidate.
2: Yeah, so... I mean, the Republicans can obstruct all they want, but really, like, I think ultimately the executive branch, especially if you're appointing justices, is going to, like, lead the culture and, like, the political direction of the country. And that's definitely what happened under Obama.
1: So you're proving my point, that this election was based on culture clash.
2: Yeah, but once again, like, you said that Republicans weren't, being stigmatized and I disagree just because they control a lot of the House and the Senate that just means that they feel threatened in their voter turnout. It went up way up like it did in the presidential election and they do have reasons to feel threatened because there's been a lot of changes in the country that they're unfamiliar with
1: Right, but you're so you're talking about expansion of rights gay rights,
2: trans rights I mean, yeah, that that illustrates it, but I think at a deeper level, it's like this this rise of political correctness um, that you wouldn't have seen 20 years ago or even 10 years ago. Um, You have to be very, very careful with your speech now, especially on college campuses. It wasn't much of a concern back in the day so people are just scared of like censorship if they say one thing they'll get fired from their job which is pretty common now
1: I mean say like what one thing
2: um, say that you, you, don't, you don't agree with gay marriage and you work and you're higher up at Starbucks you would probably get forced to resign because of that and that would be a problem. Yeah. Or Chick Fil A, they were against. What was it again? What was the whole Chick Fil A scandal? For sure, they're against a gay marriage. Yeah. Yeah, and they they got a lot of flack for that. Or um, Hobby Lobby, where they um, oh, they tried to try to get the company to pay for um, like uh, contraceptive care, or unlike... I mean, Paul's not going to like this, but the. The florist in Eastern Washington who got sued by the gay couple because she refused on religious grounds to um, service their wedding. I mean that all of that reinforces like the idea that, and I think it's true that there's definitely like a culture shift that's becoming more and more and more hostile towards conservatives.
1: I mean, that's not it's becoming fair. more and more hostile towards bigotry.
3: I mean, that, that's not fair. That's like saying, you know, I'm not going to sell – let's let's, let's place gay with black, okay? Let's say I'm a florist and I don't want to give flowers to a black wedding. Like, I'm pretty sure most people can agree that's pretty fucked up.
2: Well, let's even – let's even say that. You don't even have to take that ground, like – I honestly think that people should discriminate in this day and age on, like, issues. Like, the reason why they prevented black discrimination is because black people were in, like, towns and all the stores were owned by whites, and they had, like, tremendous leverage. That isn't really the case in most places anymore. So I don't think—I think it's an outdated rule. But you don't even have to argue it from that area. Like, you could argue it from just— a religious rights perspective like freedom of religious expression like how many how many like muslim bakeries have like, these gay people like visited and like asked a muslim person to to like bake a cake for them maybe like they accept it but i'm yeah, not sure it's any different uh, so so i don't think it's only a christian problem it's it's like I mean, it, it comes it, like all religion. No, no,
1: no. Hold on, hold on. Let's step back. First of all, let's just be clear on all these things. For one, uh, Hobby Lobby won their case. Yeah, but. So I the, don't, I fail to see what the problem there is. The The point is that it's being assaulted.
2: People are feeling like they're Who's assaulting, like assault. it? Who's assaulting the, the, it? The aggressive left, the PC people. Who's the assaulting
1: SWWs. it? The, the law simply said that insurance had to cover contraceptives. An employer mandated insurance, therefore, was covered under that.
2: Yeah, and so they Hobby also...
1: Lobby said, "I don't want to have to pay for it," so they sued and they won. Case closed. And the government made yeah, a form. The government sued. made a form had that said, "You fill out this form, and we them. will pay
2: for the contraceptives if, if instead." They had had thousands of dollars, probably hundreds of thousands of dollars, to get all the way up to the Supreme Court. They would have been forced to go against their religion. Nobody's
1: asking the owners of Hobby Lobby to use contraceptives. Nobody's asking them to hand out condoms.
2: And the Supreme Court would disagree with you, which is that, like, when you have a personal investment in the business, like, they didn't have any shareholders. Like, they were the ones controlling the company, and, like, it was basically them, uh, like, owning a smaller store. Like, you could you can make the connection there and you could force someone owning a smaller store to um, to to sell give contraceptives to their to their employees. So,
1: yeah, that was one. Again, I'm failing to I'm failing yeah, to understand once again, like how, to this is, how this is this is some sort of oppression when they won the court case.
2: Because once again, They had to go through a ginormous legal battle in order to give a right that they deserved. In order to
1: prevent their employees from having to abide by their religious convictions.
3: Okay, so here's the thing about...
1: No, 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 I want to finish. Let me finish this. Because I want to bring up the other point, which is, on the flip side of this, there have been more abortion restrictions passed in the last six years than there were in the previous 30 years right? As Republicans took over state houses. And when we talk about the issue of trans issues, this isn't an issue of religious freedom or anything like that. The bills that are being passed by the states aren't simply saying that you have the right to refuse service to trans people because, spoiler alert, that's already legal in most states because gender identity isn't considered one of the uh, protected groups under the civil rights laws yet, okay? The laws that are being passed are specifically saying if you want to use a restroom in a public building, a government building, you have to use the restroom that matches your birth certificate. So this isn't an issue of liberals were trying to take away religious freedom and Republicans are coming in to crusade and protect for the oppressed religious people. This is religious Republicans taking people's rights to use the bathroom where they want to use and saying that no, we can dictate to you where you can use the restroom.
2: I mean, do you think like it would stop there though? What does that mean? It would mean that people would, after allowing government buildings to like let people use a bathroom that they identify with, they would turn to private companies and force them to use the same procedure like they i could use Dude, this they app. Should. They should. Well there you go that's why yeah. they are scared they're you're changing. wrong they're shifting the attention to uh, the, the federal government to the government level they're they're in the trenches they're not they're not going to fight in their houses they're going to fight in the trenches on the front to take away people's rights I mean, you can call it whatever you want, but... Call it what it is. I mean, we're not really here to debate over, like, topics just so much as, like, get into, like, the mind of people. And once again, like, you were using this as a proof that, like, Republicans are being aggressive. And that might be true in the moment right now, but ultimately, like, their action is defensive, and for good reason because I you just you, to... you just said that later on you should make that you should force them in their own private property to cater to different gender identities and most people don't want to do that
1: no i'm saying they should be i'm saying that everyone is deserving of equal treatment that's what i'm saying i'm not saying that anybody should go to a religious person and force them to say you know what i agree that uh, you know I should get gay married. I think gay marriage is great. I agree that uh, you know a tr- person transitioning is perfect nobody's saying that, but they are guaranteed the right to live their life under the law. You're not allowed to discriminate against someone.
2: I mean, once again, <laughs> people don't agree that gender identity should be under discrimination laws. So they're going to be aggressive and like trying to stop people from like changing that. Right. Yeah. I I know. That's what I'm saying. Like that's what this was about. So someone tries to change it, and then someone reacts by trying to stop that. That isn't the person. The person reacting isn't the one being aggressive. But someone someone no changes a law. Someone makes a law that a company has to. Provide contraceptive to the employees when they don't agree, and they sue and have to go to the Supreme Court. They're not being aggressive. They're just they're reacting to the change that is the actual aggression.
1: Yes, they are. They are enforcing their own religious
2: beliefs on their employees. But once again, like you're not arguing the, <laughs> you're trying to argue the issues. I'm trying to get into the heads of like why people behave certain ways and once again but I agree with
1: you I agree with you on why they did it I'm disagreeing with you that they're
2: right no I'm not even arguing they're right even though I do agree that they're right I'm arguing that they're being defensive and the left is being aggressive you can aggressively go fight for equal rights or whatever you want to fight for but just because it's right doesn't mean that you're not being aggressive with it
1: yes Uh, okay the left is but let's be clear on what's happening the left is aggressively fighting for equal rights the right is aggressively fighting to take rights away from people to restrict abortion rights oh they're they're not they're not saying that transgender people can't use the restroom they want they're not saying that gay people shouldn't be allowed civil rights protections they're not saying that uh, women shouldn't be allowed a constitutional right to abortion, which the Supreme Court has upheld. I mean, just this week in Texas, Texas passed a law that effectively banned D&E abortion procedures, which means they effectively banned abortions in the second trimester, which is, according to the Supreme Court, illegal. They are literally attacking rights.
3: Like, I I can't even begin to just talk about all the abortion fuckery. Like, in order to get an abortion, a woman must watch a video. She has to be told all these legal things uh, about, you know, abortion could cause, cause, this, this, and this. And then you have specific requirements as to how large the holes have to be in order to be considered a proper facility. Like, you have to be... You have, there's more strict conditions on abortion buildings than there are a lot of hospitals.
2: Okay. But, you know, but this is once again, all of this a related is- reaction to Roe v. Wade. Just because they react to it 10 years or 20 years from now doesn't mean that they're attacking like rights that have always been there. Like Once again, the Republicans and the conservatives are losing ground and the liberals are gaining ground.
1: Yes, you're, I, I just want to hear you so, admit and that what you're fighting for ones.
2: is taking people's rights away. I'm not arguing. That's what you voted for. The issues. Oh, okay, we're going to bring it back to why I voted. Well, I don't buy any of the things that you said. So if you want to argue about them, sure. But once again, I don't buy them.
3: <laughs> By voting for a candidate... You are endorsing them and what they are saying.
2: Yeah, I agree. Clinton I agree that. Clinton I agree that the government shouldn't force people, private businesses, to, to um let, people go to the whatever bathroom they want.
1: They should. That's a, that's should. a nice way of saying that you think businesses should be able to to
2: discriminate. Yeah, they should be allowed to discriminate. So you
1: voted so that people. Conservatives would continue to have the right to discriminate.
2: I mean, that wasn't a huge issue, but yeah.
1: Well, then what was the issue?
2: There's lots of issues, like gun rights and uh, immigration and economic and cultural. But, I mean, that goes under cultural, I guess. Mm -hmm. And any business should have the right to discriminate however they want.
1: So I posit the theory that this was fundamentally an election between uh, well, and I think it's pretty clearly true between tribalism and cosmopolitanism. Right? Which is, liberals are expanding rights, expanding the sphere of what is considered American, whereas the tribalism is conservative. That's what is American, right? I think the thing that I found incredibly frustrating to is that the way conservatives have taken uh, ownership of what is considered American and patriotic, and apparently if you disagree with... Um, that interpretation that you're un-American.
3: You see, something that I find very interesting is this kind of reminds me of actually um, this YouTube video which essentially talks about Batman versus Superman. And believe me, this actually does relate and basically boils it down to what the conflict was boiled down to be. What What they were trying to do is essentially speaking, make things about collectivism versus individualism. And I feel like what Brett is talking about, what Brett is pushing, seems very much like Randian objectivism. Randian objectivism. You know who Ayn Rand is, right?
2: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. People, Randian, okay. Okay. So she was saying that everyone should be selfish? Well, yes.
3: I believe her, one of her quotes was, the only time anyone can really mean something to you, the only time you can really do something for people and care about them, is if they mean something to you selfishly.
2: Um, no, I wouldn't agree with Ayn Rand. And I don't right. think the majority of conservatives would. We're pretty, I mean, patriotism... Well, conservative patriotism is pretty altruistic.
3: I mean, I'm really not so sure about that, because, like, Paul Ryan is a big Ayn Rand fan. Every single Republican that really goes up there and talks about their ideology mentions things like The Fountainhead or Atlas Shrugged and what good books they are. Ted Cruz said that, quote, If you haven't gone and read Atlas Shrugged, you should go out and pick up a copy now.
2: So if conservatives are the selfish ones, then what are liberals, in your opinion? The selfless ones?
3: No. I don't think that anyone is really selfless. I think that liberals want to assuage themselves of the guilt of the fact that all these people are oppressed and what have you. And they want to feel good about themselves by air quotes lifting these people up because when you help other people it feels good it creates this feeling of positivity within you so by creating these equal rights liberals get to pat themselves on the back and say yes this is a good thing i did i get to feel good about this
1: i fundamentally disagree with that i mean maybe that's I agree that that's the way some liberals feel, maybe even a lot, but I don't think that's the core of, of core. liberalism. The core of liberalism is that you can achieve more that we have a duty to each other, that we can achieve more together than we can separately. Like, the reason you expand rights is because you recognize that other people have can contribute to the greater good, and that we each have an obligation to each other right I mean it's the classic uh, JFK think not of what your country can do for you but what you can do for your country right
0: there's a much better JFK quote here which is the rights of one man are, of, are the rights of me, of you, blah, huh, huh. something about the rights of man being diminished when the rights of another man are being diminished
1: yes yes and well that's the, I think it's the MLK quote uh, injustice anywhere is injustice everywhere right so yes that's the core of liberalism which is you fight for equal rights among all groups right to have their own way of life but that doesn't mean that they can impose it on other people but I think what you talked about I also disagree with you In terms of conservatism, when you point out Paul Ryan uh, and his love of Ayn Rand uh, or, you know, Ted Cruz, whatever, those are not people that fall that fit in with the modern conservative Republican base and certainly not the Trump supporting base. Right. Uh, I don't think that that individualism like I think it's a myth. That that sort of individualism is the core of the modern conservative movement. And I think Donald Trump was the proof of that. I think I that those politicians I think those politicians used they used cultural fears, dog whistles, uh, fears about immigration, fears about civil rights, fears about crime, fears about uh, expansion of civil rights for homosexuals, transgender, uh things like that. They use those fears to push their conservative economic agenda. Because let's not forget that the core of the Republican Party that, that has been maintained has been conservative economics, right? But before the 1960s, the Republican Party was progressive socially. It was the party of civil rights and the party of um, actual small government not interfering with people's ability to live their lives, but also not, um, not letting people interfere with other people's ability to live their lives, right? But that flipped. They lost badly on that because the Democratic Party was the populist party, which was, we're going to uh, use the government to take care of people through social security, through spending, right. And all that stuff. But they were also the party that under FDR put Japanese people in internment camps, turned away Jewish refugees. And when they passed things like, um, uh, what was it called? Uh, AFDC, right. Assistance for families and dependent children, which was the, the original welfare. Uh, it, it just so happened to exempt household domestic workers, which just so happened to be mostly black people. Right. And in the 60s, that flipped because the Democrats started supporting uh, civil rights and Republicans, who had been demolished at the federal level. I mean, Republicans didn't hold a majority in the House between 1938 and 1994. Not once did they hold a majority in the House. But when they flipped and they started dog whistling on race civil rights, uh, being anti-gay, things like that, that's when they found a base. and I, But I don't think that base cares anything about small government economics, uh, big business, low taxes. I don't think your average rank-and-file Trump voter cares anything about any of that. I think they responded almost exclusively to, I don't want immigrants, I don't like expansion of gay marriage. I don't like expansion of rights for trans people. And I don't like... uh, I feel oppressed because I can't say the N-word anymore without other people getting mad at me.
2: Yeah, I'd probably agree that the biggest motivator for Republicans is definitely a sense of tribalism. And, I mean... Umar brought up uh, Ayn Rand and like um, oh crap, what was his name? Paul Ryan talking about Ayn Rand and how great it is and you know their endless talks about small government and Rand Paul talking about small government stuff like that. They didn't get very far. And it's definitely like the, the small government, like conservative like taxes is the number one issue. It's definitely like going down Hill, in terms of its popularity among Republicans. So yeah, I would agree with Paul.
1: Because even most Republicans think that the rich should be paying higher taxes. If you look at most polls, it's yeah, a slim like Trump majority.
2: Is admitting to like uh, during his campaign to like have Wall Street pay more taxes and stuff like that.
1: So this is the key that I want to get to though, because and, and I will also just add on to that real quickly that you remember that when Paul Ryan uh, said bad things about Trump, Paul Ryan got booed in his own state, right? Again, Paul Ryan is not a representative of the Republican Party. I have long argued that Donald Trump is the representative of the real Republican Party. Not Paul Ryan, not Rand Paul, not any of that. It's people like... I think Paul Ryan is... People like Paul Ryan and Rand Paul are using Republican voters to push an agenda that Republican voters probably don't like economically, foreign policy-wise, but they would still rather have that than vote for a Democrat who might do things like give them the health care that they want, right? But would also uh, expand immigration, they would rather go without healthcare than have more immigrants come into the country.
2: I mean that's that's
1: my experience.
2: Yeah, it doesn't sound very selfish to me. It sounds pretty altruistic. But only within the tribe.
1: Yeah. Right? Because this is this is the number one thing that you always hear. When you hear conservatives, and I mean rank and file conservatives, not Paul Ryan, when you when I hear rank and file conservatives in Kentucky, in Indiana, talk about disparage social welfare programs like Obamacare, like welfare, like food stamps, it's always from the lens of there are these people who are getting these programs that don't deserve it. And if you drill down far enough, it always ends up to it's illegal immigrants are somehow somehow getting these benefits, even though that's illegal. That it is African Americans that are getting these benefits because they're too lazy to work. And it is sometimes even, by the way, just bum liberal white people that don't want to work. And so it's not that they have a problem with welfare food stamps, right? Let's not forget that the state with the highest percentage of welfare and food stamp recipients is Mississippi, which consistently votes red.
2: Uh, Deeply red. Isn't is food stamps uh, federal or state? Federal. Yeah, that would explain it. I mean, there's in Mississippi you have like a huge black population that is. Has insane levels of poverty. That's why Mississippi is so poor. It's not really the the white population. It's more of like the yeah. Hey, need to cut out in terms of like consumption of food stamps and welfare and like needs because I mean a backwards place like that hasn't really uh, transitioned to well. I don't think it's transitioned completely from the slave era.
1: Uh yeah, so I think you just proved it because
2: the majority of So I don't the it's majority not like, of recipients like the, in Mississippi it's not are like still the white. Republicans in Mississippi are like crazy for food stamps. It's just that there's like a, a a group inside there that needs them and the federal government provides it to them. Uh which is and blacks. Well, see you're
1: proving my point, because the majority of recipients in Mississippi are white. Because the majority of Mississippi's white. So the majority I mean, like, of recipients in almost every state is white. So. But that's I mean, exactly my point. Because you immediately you, wait, go to... When I, talk about, when I talk about Mississippi, you immediately go to... Yeah, it's because all the black people in Mississippi are on welfare. No, that's
2: I'm exactly saying that's exactly my point. Parts. I'm not saying that because, you know, black people are on welfare. You know, ooh, stereotype. I'm saying that because, I mean... The South has, like, a history with that kind of stuff. And you would expect that kind of thing in Mississippi, of all places. And that's where you see it.
1: Well, I'm glad we could reach some agreement, which is what motivated this. But I do want to, very quickly, because I know Amr has to go, is um, just simply ask the question of... um, how much is going to be enough? And so what I mean by that is I think we agreed that the core of the Republican base, at least that voted for Trump, doesn't really care about low taxes for rich people, doesn't care about cutting back health care. They're not anti-universal health care, health care expansion and all that stuff. They are for things like immigration uh, restrictions, refugee restrictions, things like that. So far, Trump's record in office has been abysmal on both sides of that. He has proposed budgets that vastly cut back on services that a lot of his voters would use, particularly health care. He's proposed budgets or tax plans that greatly cut back on the taxes that rich people paid in complete opposite of what he said he was going to do. He has proposed bills that do not protect Medicare, Medicaid, and Social Security, which is what he said he was going to do. On the other side of it, his immigration ban has gone nowhere; is unlikely to go anywhere. The State Department just You're opened up Court? refugees. The State Department just opened up the refugee program to accept up to seventy thousand refugees again this year. The wall's not going anywhere. So, where did where did as a Trump voter? What point? At what point is the breaking point?
2: Yeah, that's part of the reason why like I'm still not convinced that I'm I'm gonna vote for Trump like next election. It would really have to depend on like what kind of democratic candidate would be out there. Um but I think the reason why Trump is kind of falling away from his initial promises that revolve definitely around tribalism is because it's good for business to to be like globalist and progressive, and in in most cases, um, in terms of like short-term gain. So, I was I was pretty excited to see like the tribalist thing come into play, because, I mean, I believe that like the nation-state is like the best form of government because for the reason because it it brings people together sure that's one part but you also need like the the most the optimal amount of incentive in order to get people to work together and um, get them to be like motivated towards a common goal and that doesn't mean that you need like total totalitarianism but there definitely is a balance that's needed in terms of like a national identity and responsibility to keep a country from not slowly cleaving apart and sure that isn't good towards Wall Street or the stock market if that means that you know we don't import as many cars and we build more factories in America but ultimately I think it would be better for like the cohesion of the nation.
1: Well, not only do I disagree, but I do want to just finally end this with my last question, which is Trump has one thing that he has done that if you're a tribalist, and I think that you would agree uh, is good, is that he has deported a lot of people, a lot of innocent people, people that don't have any criminal record beyond they're here illegally. Yeah. Uh, But one of the things that he interestingly did was exempted employers who bring in illegal workers. So my question is, do you feel conned yet?
2: I mean, I don't... I wasn't expecting, like, Trump to be, like, perfect. It was just in terms of, like, a general direction and kind of, like, a general attitude. You've definitely seen, like, a change in rhetoric among, like, Republicans and among conservative groups, especially with the rise of, like, the alt-right which I think is ultimately going to be beneficial in terms of creating, like, a good balance of, of uh, kind of communalism, like global community and putting the nation first. And in, mo- in most cases, it, yeah, I don't, I don't feel conned uh, because I knew what it was from the beginning, but I'm not I'm not gonna if I vote for Trump next term, I'm not gonna be super enthusiastic about it.
1: And you think that's gonna be a winning strategy in twenty twenty?
2: Or even in twenty eighteen? Um Well, I think probably what's gonna happen is that you're gonna see fragmentation of the Democrats and the Republicans, if not the next election, then the one after that. And That's because the Democrats really don't... They they lack a charismatic leader. I haven't really heard of anyone. I mean, Bernie probably isn't going to be around then. What are they going to do, like, pull Nancy Pelosi or something? So I don't think it's a winning strategy for Republicans, but I don't think the Republicans will be around too long in, like, their current size. Because once, like, the Democrats fall the Republicans are definitely gonna fragment as well because it's just a matter of how much the different enclaves can get away with.
1: Well I would so. say I eighty percent agree with that. I think the Republicans will be the first one to fracture. My guess Ooh. is as soon my guess is as soon as Trump is impeached or something happens there, that's when the Republicans fracture. The Democrats I think can hold it together. But what I think
2: you will see is the more conservative know, like Democrats. Evergreen. Evergreen well, I... State. Well, that shows to me symptoms of kind of yeah more progressive Democratic Party like popping up. Um, well, we could do a whole topic on the Evergreen thing, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Hispanic voters left en masse and made their own party because a lot of the Hispanic immigrants. Um, are definitely like very religious in terms of like Catholicism. Well, that's, so, I, I was going that, to say, I think,
1: not to mention, Cubans tend to be conservative economically and everything as well, and, and foreign policy wise and stuff like that. So, but uh, yeah, and I also think, uh, I think what was more likely to happen is when the Republican Party fractures, the more conservative Democrats, your Joe Manchin's, Joe Donnelly's, um, people like that they'll go join whatever new Ayn Rand worshipping cult that that Paul Ryan forms so
2: anyway alright um, thank you for listening to kind of political podcast we fairly will see you podcast. next <laughs> fairly political podcast we will see you next week
1: yeah so uh, Armor, do you have any last words Oh, you know that. You know that. Uh, he's already gone. Okay. Uh, okay. So, thanks for listening. Um, if you want to get in contact with us, you can reach us at fairlypoliticalpodcastgmail.com. Uh, you can also get in touch with us on the Facebook group, Fairly Political Podcast. Uh, leave questions, uh, ideas for the show, what you like, what you don't like. We tried a little bit of a new format this week. Uh, let me know. Let us know if you liked it. Um, do you, do you like the topics and the hot takes? Do you want those to see a return or not? Um, just give us your thoughts on that. Uh, and maybe we'll answer some of those on air. If you leave questions, at either the email address or on the Facebook page, uh, I think we'd like to address those on air. Uh, for the rest of this podcast, I think we're actually going to splice up uh, an, inter- an interesting interview that we did uh, with some, a couple from Germany that identified as anarchists. And that's actually going to be a two-part interview. So we'll take the first half of it. You'll hear that uh, right after this. And then we'll take the second half of it, and you'll hear that next week. Uh, So thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.
0: Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the kind of political podcast. Shit, no, that's the wrong name. Well, everybody. One day you might get it. One day. All right, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. Today we have, we're doing things a little bit differently. Uh, We're going to have two guests with us. Who have some very interesting political views, visiting from Das Deutschland. First, we have Issa Grimm and his wife. Issa Grimm, why don't you tell us a little about yourself?
5: What is there to know? I'm I'm an anarchist, um, not in the way most people think what anarchy truly means. But uh, yeah, I can give you an anarchistic viewpoint on on politics. And I'm happy to be here, thank you. Eve.
4: Good evening, and thank you for inviting me. Um, I'm basically in the same direction with opinions as my husband is, and I'm glad to be here to shed a bit of light and direction in other points of view, to open up minds maybe even.
0: Well, we're happy to have you, and as you know, I am the host with the most, and we know our sugar daddy, Paul.
1: Mm-hmm. Am I is, Am I supposed to ever retort to that? Mm-hmm. Works fine. So as long as I keep writing the checks, right? As long as you keep writing the checks. All right. So, we're going to be doing this podcast
0: a bit differently going forward. But today, we're going to be doing one of our. We're going to be doing an interview podcast. So, would you like to take it away, Paul?
1: Uh, sure. So, you know, obviously, the show generally. Relies on having differing political viewpoints. I would consider myself uh, progressive liberal. Uh, Amr says he's somewhere in the middle, um, but more on the liberal side. I, and uh, oh, sorry. Go ahead. If you if you could test that, Amr, go ahead.
0: I mean, I don't consider myself to be somewhere in the middle. I consider myself to be like a straight up leftist. Okay. Like I'm not as left as a lot of other people. I feel like I'm. I don't know. I, I guess I call myself a Kennedy Democrat.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah, I think you said that before. But and then obviously Brett, who uh, who couldn't be with us for the interview right now, uh, is conservative uh, for and that's of course all all along the American spectrum though. Uh, and but we typically the three of us fall on uh, a typical American perspective of left right uh, politics. But we wanted to branch out a little bit more. And uh, as Esgrim and Eve uh, noted earlier, uh, I think they consider themselves uh, anarchists. Uh, so I just wanted to ask you guys if you could uh, explain that a little bit more and kind of elaborate on that. So if we could start with uh, with Isgram.
5: Well, uh, by definition, uh, anarchism means that um, it's a. Uh, it's a viewpoint that says all forms of government are oppressive and undesirable and they should just not be there. It doesn't mean terrorism or, or civil chaos or, um, or a life without rules. It's, uh, it, it just means that it advocates self-governed societies rather based on um, voluntary institutions. And of course, stateless.
1: Okay, uh, Eve, would you agree with that?
4: I do agree. Yes. Well, look where did politics lead us today. We have basically no freedom. Still have war in the twenty-first century. So I'm with my husband. It would be better if there would be another concept. Besides the politics that is um, active at the moment,
0: so something that interests me is what is what do you feel is the difference between your your views on anarchism and small government libertarianism? Well,
5: what is small government libertarianism then?
1: Uh, well, I think it would generally be considered. Neoliberal, which is the idea that the government is hands off uh, both economically and socially, um, at least, or that was really more classical
5: liberal. Well, that's just another label. So, what what is it exactly? Does it still it's dictate socially... law? Does it still dictate who owns what? Do you still have to buy land from the government? Uh, do you um, still have to pay taxes uh, involuntarily? Is this still existing? Then, yeah, it's equally bad.
0: Uh, no, actually, libertarian ideas that taxation is theft. And generally speaking, in libertarian ideologies, their goal is to have the government do as little as possible and to leave things in the hands of the free market.
1: Right, libertarians tend to believe that there's a place for government in terms of very narrow circumstances, like uh, a military common defense. Um, But in general, the place of the government isn't to regulate things like your life, your marriages, business, uh, property, anything like that.
5: Well, then this by that is by definition not a government if you look up what the actual meaning of the word means?
1: Well, I think in in the United States, at least, classic libertarians tend to fall on a very strict interpretation of, or even maybe more strict interpretation of the United States Constitution, which essentially the original U.S. Constitution didn't allow for uh, direct income taxation. Um, It deferred heavily to states to set their own things. It really only provided for um, common defense and trade between states that were part of the pact.
0: uh, That sounds more like the Articles of Confederation than does the actual Constitution.
1: Yes. Yes, the Articles of Confederation, which was before the U.S. Constitution. But yes, that was much, much looser even than the Constitution is.
0: So to give a bit bit of clarification for those who aren't aware of what the Articles of Confederation are, basically speaking, before we had the United States Constitution, we had what was referred to as the Articles of Confederation that were, essentially speaking, created very shortly after the Declaration of Independence, roughly at the same time. But however, by the time they were ratified, they were woefully inept in terms of, or considered by the people at the time to be woefully inept in terms of raising money for the Continental Army and for paying off the United States' debts. Yes. As a result, they held the constitutional conventions and created the United States Constitution that we know today. Yes.
1: But it, I think the other thing to understand, and I think this might be where it kind of comes into conflict with, with uh, Eastergrim and Eve, is that um it did allow for things like setting up a common military, and, and the problem with it was it didn't set up ways to fund it, because it kind of deferred everything to the states, but it also never really set limits on... Like, a state could be as tax; It could tax whatever it wanted. It could be as heavily involved and regulated as it needed to be. It was just that the federal government didn't set up very much in the way of any kind of regulations or... um Really, much of anything,
5: to be honest with you. Do you guys know what government actually means?
1: Uh, well, okay. I know what it means to me, but what does it mean to you?
5: No, I mean the actual word, regardless of, of an individual opinion or what someone believes. The actual word government comes from uh, two words governare and mens. And that literally means mind control, control the mind. Control of the mind, to be specific. So, yeah, that is inherently bad. Regardless, I mean, if if a libertarian government, these people who throw these labels around, they don't actually understand what the word government means. And it's not an accident that this has been chosen uh, for this institution. To be fair... Gubernare means to steer, not to control. Yeah, It also means to control, to guide, to manage, to govern. I mean, that's where the word comes from. (laughs) It is control.
0: Well, according to social contract theory, we give away certain rights in order to guarantee securities.
5: Yeah, but I I would rather um, be able or be allowed to um, uh, check for my own security and I would not be alone with that uh, and, and instead have all my rights. Wouldn't you agree?
0: I mean, I think that to have a situation in which you have all your rights is simply unfeasible. Why is that? I believe that regardless of even the most... Um, what's it called the most egalitarian of all societies you have to agree to not do certain things like i agree not to kill you i agree not to steal your land i agree not to pillage your la- pillage your crops and yeah, but these examples uh, they're
5: also they, they are driven by the uh, notion that this would happen without uh, a government but that's not true I mean, there is enough land. You don't need to steal anything. You don't need to kill another person. I mean, you, if, you, if, if nothing's pressuring you, if you don't have uh, debt, uh, taxes, uh, uh, restrictions that naturally don't make sense, then you are, you're, you're, you're literally more free to do what you want, and you do not do, need to do things that you always do. Why do, people, why, why do people get killed on the streets? They get killed for money, they get killed for because there are, uh, uh, the government oppresses their uh, their group, their ethnic group or their, or their racial group even. or uh, I mean, it, it all comes down to oppression. We have suffering most, if not all, suffering is because of oppression. And the, the, the biggest oppression in any country, indirectly or directly, is the government. If you follow the line of aggression and and uh, and pain and suffering, it goes um to the government. It doesn't stop there but it, it that's uh, that's one stop it goes there
1: well i think inherent in that belief though would be that in the absence of government there wouldn't be oppression and I don't know if there's any evidence of that i mean certainly in the era of um well, let me just leave it there. I, I don't know if there's necessarily any evidence of that. I and mean, I'm almost kind of sad that Brett isn't here because
0: I kind of would want him to bring up tribalism in terms of the whole thing of, generally speaking, in terms of the origin of species, we had this tribalism in which it was us and them, and we created this society of us and them, and generally speaking, you know, human beings tend to congregate and create societies of us and them, Essentially, by creating bigger states of us, we can kind of help end these this tribalism. In order to have these big states, you need to have these big managing bodies.
5: But us and them doesn't have to be the general viewpoint. I mean, in 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 a, in a in, and situation where where us is the good guys and them are inherently the bad guys, because they're, they're not us. And most people believe that the world works like uh, Walking Dead, where when there is a government, there is just, I mean, uh, just brutality going on. But that's inherently not the nature of mankind. If you ask a sane person on the streets, they, they would agree to, to certain things, you know? No one wants to kill another person if not for defense. And that's the extreme measure of defense. Uh, no one wants to have wars, you know? No one wants to have suffering or watch suffering or have other people suffer, you know? Uh, or suffering exists, you know? And if you ask a sane person on the streets, uh, if he would be willing to work towards his own benefit and the benefit of someone else who is also then his own benefit, then he would totally grow up. So we have certain natural things that every sane person would agree to. So anarchism would not uh, end in, in, in chaos and war and, and oppression and, and, and land stealing and such, because uh, every sane person would just disagree on, on certain things, because they don't make sense. They're not beneficial.
1: Well, see, and I think this is where I would disagree with you fundamentally. I think this belief that you have that everyone agrees on certain fundamental things—I don't believe that—and I think that I didn't say that.
0: You said every sane
1: person. It. Every sane person, yes. So,
0: if anyone, so it's very easy with that statement to say anyone who does not have that belief is not a sane person. As a result, like if you look at right, all these, exactly.
1: but that implies Go, that implies if if sanity is the measure then you're essentially implying that the people that wouldn't agree with that are a minority, right? Because if if the majority is insane, then it's not really
5: insanity. It is. The definition of insanity is is not uh, um, when you reach the masses, when you reach the majority, you're not all of a sudden insane. (laughs) That's not what it
0: is. (laughs) I mean, to be fair, I I mean, uh, there's two arguments you can make here, and I'm just going to kind of be the wibbly wobbler and make both of them. And the argument that you could basically make on Isagrim's side is argumentum ad populum, which is just because everyone else is doing it does not essentially mean that it is correct. However, an argument that can easily be made based on Paul's side is let's say let's look at tallness. All right, back in 1700s, being five eight five nine was about average, right? This is not really a disputed fact, unless one of you would like to dispute that. However, in this modern age, thanks to better nutrients or something, more people are generally taller. As a result, 6'1 and 6'2 is considered to be tall. As a result, if everyone believes that sanity is one thing, and then a bunch of people do not fit that criteria or that marker and the essentially the definition of sanity will change because definitions and words evolve you know we're still not using the word gubernare you know
5: but it means the same thing, and the people who put in these words, they know what they mean. Words have meaning, and meaning well, have meanings have powers. For example, sanity doesn't mean the you are the you have to be the minority of behavior. Sanity actually means if your behavior and thought process is rational and reasonable. And if you ask someone on the streets if this war is good and he says, yeah, it's totally good, then this is a non-reasonable behavior because no war is inherently good. War by definition is not good. But my point wasn't to say that
1: if the majority believe it, that doesn't mean they're not insane. My point was to say that if the majority believe it, then it's not – you can't set up a society without majority uh, acceptance, right? Otherwise, it's totalitarianism, right? So if you're talking about – Uh, setting up a society based on anarchism and you say, well, it works because these are the common set of beliefs. If the majority don't believe that, then you can't set up the society. So therefore it doesn't really like, you can't just say, well, every sane person agrees with that uh, because it couldn't lead to a structured society. You see what I'm saying? And so that in that context, the society wouldn't see that as being insane to think that the world is actually zero sum. Right. I, I think I would argue that there's a huge uh, population of the world that believes that it's inherently zero-sum, um, if not a straight and outright majority. In which case, where you say that, well, no sane person would say that um, you know, these are a set of common values and there wouldn't be conflict, therefore, if there wasn't a government. Those people that believe the world is zero-sum, they will create conflict because they believe they can gain something from it. And they believe that if someone has something someone else another tribe has something, then that means I have less of something that I could have more of, and therefore I will go take it by force
5: you 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 cover very a lot of topics we could fill in hours, but let's just go to what you said last um, just because another group of people has something that I do not have is not uh, a reason for me because I am I'm a sane person. I'm a rational and reasonable person. You know, I, I, I invested a lot of time to 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 uh, be in a balanced state of mind and educate myself. Uh, I, I, but even with, with less education, it, it is a, it is, it, it, there is no point in stealing them from them what they have because I don't have it. Because I certainly have something they don't have, and I can have an agreement of sharing. And this would make more sense.
0: But we have things. Sorry for interrupting you, I guess. Can I keep going or do you want to start?
5: I I was basically finished, but thanks for your consideration.
0: Uh, I was. All right. So you have these things like religious fundamentalism and you have this whole thing in the United States where it's like, oh, you can't be gay because my religion dictates you cannot do this. And something that I find very interesting in your argumentation is that you say that, you know, what's rational is always going to be the same. And I don't really think that is the case because something like rationality and what is considered to be rational is very much in the eye of the beholder.
5: No, like it isn't. We That's have big ancient Morality society. is not um, relative. Truth is not relative. Uh, more uh, Sanity is not relative. For example, people who don't do not like, do not uh, do hate gays. They are irrational because there is no reason for them to hate gay people. There is no reason for because it doesn't make sense. I mean, they don't hurt. I mean, a gay neighbor doesn't hurt me. I mean, he loves a man. What's what the fuck? I don't care. I mean I don't care. And you it can is easily love,
0: provide love, reasoning awesome. for not liking gay people, and I'm going yeah. To...
5: Reasoning is not rationality. I can right, argue. But all sorts of things. But reasoning doesn't by definition mean rationality. But I think you're confusing
1: rationality with sanity. I mean, you you mentioned that uh, insanity isn't uh, isn't relative, but it absolutely is. I mean, the literal, in, in English anyway, the definition of sanity, of insane, is in a state of mind that prevents normal perception, behavior, or social interaction. And it is generally accepted to be uh, behavior that is outside that manifests as violations of societal norms so that inherently really? is relative to the societal norm of the time so actually think, the I, wiki states that
5: well i think rationality fair. is a synonym for sanity
1: but they're not I the thought same sanity thing. was
0: doing the same thing over and over again expecting different results
1: what i'm saying is uh they're not the same thing in this context in the sense of What is considered insane, colloquially, is uh, if we're not talking about things that are biologic, like mental illness, then insanity is relative to the societal norm, and those absolutely change over time.
5: Yeah, but that is just because you do not understand the exact word meaning, and the powers that be, I I just throw that in there, A, a government and above, they know what words mean and you do you just, you don't understand the words meaning so that's this way you i'm sorry to say this uh, the true meaning of things are um well out of your mind's grasp because you you do not uh, uh, understand words meanings and that people use these words
1: well okay then as long as we're talking about understanding true gov- true meanings uh, government as you mentioned earlier was to control the mind however uh, I think you're confusing two different Latin suffixes. One of them is the one that you talked of, or that you'd mentioned, which is mente, which is meaning mind in some languages. However, the generally accepted suffix meant used for government comes from the Latin mentum, which is generally created, used to create verbs. The mente is generally create, used in English to create adverbs or adjectives to describe something. Mentum, when you have a word that's a verb, and "ment" is used. That typically comes from the Latin "mentum," which is uh, basically refers to the way to, like, an implementation. Exactly. So gov- but so if you government, look at the word, so government you, in the sense of government is not a way to control a mind. It's a way to implement uh, governance.
5: Well, you 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 mentioned something important. You know. It's, it's, uh, an, an, uh, um, ad, ad, it's an it's an edit word to construct a verb right but in Latin the mind comes first above everything people do so of course it would be uh, used as an adi- an edit um, what did you call it what's the English word for it uh, Latin ad- adjective yeah, thank you because in Latin the mind is the the, 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 the the thing originating action so that's the reason they use it as an additive but it but, but the comes English from the word. But the English word comes government. From the words, but the, the English mens, word mens. No But the
1: English word government comes from the French. Comes from French, right? And the French had their own interpretation. It's not like the English word government came directly from Latin. It came from the French interpretation of Latin. It came from the French word for government, which was their interpretation of Latin. And in, in French and English they don't use uh, the mente, which of the mind, they don't use it in the sense of nouns. It's in the sense of, like, so for example, if you take a word in English and you add an ly to it, that is almost universally an adverb. You, th- The only way ly can come at the end of a noun is if it's at the end of a proper noun. In English, the structure of it isn't such that you put ly at the end of an improper noun.
5: But Latin isn't constructed that way latin in its origins right. or whatever or whatever the, the the french saw the french saw the, the same actually but the english it's, it's, it's word government doesn't come from directly from
1: latin it comes well, from the french it, it, it comes doesn't matter french derivation it comes from the, the french word. and the french can i read government. something gentlemen yes
0: government late 14th century act of governing a ruling 1550 system by which a thing is governed especially a state from the old french government control Direction, administration, modern French, gouvernement, from governor to govern, meaning government or power, blah, 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 blah. And then that essentially goes to the verb govern, to the late 13th century, to rule with authority, from old French, bovener, steer, be at the helm of, govern, rule, command, direct, from gubernare, as stated, to direct, rule, guide, govern. Originally, to steer, to pilot, a nautical borrowing from Greek kybernon, to steal, steer or pilot a ship, direct as a pilot, figuratively to guide or to govern.
5: And where is the meant? They just left it off. Because in the original original uh, appearance of the word governor, government, how the French pronounce it, they knew yeah. what they were calling it. It comes from the same Latin word. Gubernare and mens.
1: I think that you are reading into it what you want to read into. Uh, So, for example, just as I'm looking through these things, um, this guy says uh, so here's an example of how you can interpret it however you want to. He says, uh, You could point out that gubernare is borrowed from Kybernetes in Greek and which uh, inherently refer to cybernetics like you can make Daddy's, an argument uh, to fit what you think right the, you believe that it's derived from this mente which is of the mind but there's not really anything that directly leads to that like like that's not the evidence doesn't suggest that's really where it came from. That's
5: my point. Actually, it does. It sounds completely it different. What your, your argument sounds completely different. Gubernare and Kyber, blah blah blah, is not the same. They sound different. They are something different.
0: But well, no, but Gubernare they are really... comes from Kybernon. It says okay. So because a lot of Greek words essentially became Latin words because Roman society was heavily affected, and I even read to you quote um, from Latin Gubernare. Originally, to steer to pilot, not a nautical term borrowing from Greek, Kibernon, which is the root of cybernetics.
5: Well, I'm glad we put it out there so people can decide on what they view it as.
0: Indeed. like, yeah, Just like Philip DeFranco, we aren't here to tell you what to think. We're just here to tell you what we think, and then, based on that, form your own opinions.
1: So I, I do want to follow this. Let's, let's move on to the next side of this, which is uh, we've talked a lot about so far um, the role of the state, but I think we've talked about it abstract in terms of socially and um, conflict and things like that. Uh, so let's talk about economically. So which side economically do you fall
5: what side is there when i'm an anarchist i don't i don't believe in in corporations and uh, that control the government and uh, i mean i believe in, in in trade you know normal trade so you want to go back to ancient sumer in part maybe
0: i mean i don't know because like the society we we've spoken about this outside the podcast society you're describing Seems like ancient, like an ancient Mesopotamian culture is like they, in that kind of culture. You don't have an exact government so I not
5: They were a actually, lot more educated and civilized, by far. Yeah,
0: you know, back in the day when they said, if you lop off my arm, I'll lop off your arm.
5: Well, it wasn't really like that.
4: Besides So it's that it's not uh, really different in in these times now, right? We still have the us versus them mentality. We still have eye versus eye, tooth versus tooth and such stuff. So what changed?
0: An eye for an eye will make us all blind.
5: (laughs) Who said that? Gandhi. I know. I just wanted you to mention it. Man, I'm really
1: surprised. I'm really disappointed you didn't say it the right way.
0: What do you mean the right way? The way you always say you expect, it in the podcast. Did you, did you expect me to bob my head, do a little no, accent? You have,
5: you have no, a cool no, no, no. way to say to say quotes that is really cool for the listeners. Yeah. You, you have to you, do it like this. Yeah, you always use the full name.
1: Alright, from Mohandas Karamchand Gandhi. Yes. It just it makes it more specific. You could have been talking about anybody. How would I have known?
0: What do you mean any Gandhi? Generally speaking, <laughs> when people say Gandhi, they mean the Gandhi. I'm not talking about Indira Gandhi. I'm about Rajiv Gandhi.
1: Oh, God, we're going down the, the etymology of words again. Uh, no, but I, I think what I was really referring to is. So, OK, you've taken you took the political compass test, right? We, we've overlaid it. We've looked at it. And I thought the thing that I thought was interesting was that you and I basically overlapped. In terms of so the political compass test is the the four sided square, which is uh, libertarian versus authoritarian is on the north and south and uh, economically uh, left and right is the left and right. So right being um, capitalism and left being essentially communism or a large welfare state, let's say. And generally, I fall in the bottom left corner of that, which is libertarian progressive. Uh, you fall, you your circle almost overlaps with mine, and yet, but what you describe is like you you don't believe in the idea of a welfare state.
5: Well, That's I quite believe. Hilarious. For, Sorry. Well, the, this test, for example, this test is not really good. I mean, this is, yes, I agree. It's it's um, it it doesn't in, interpret um, highly educated political ideas correctly because you can only you you have to so on on so many questions you have to answer this you have to your the questions force you to uh, a corner and, and and this test is does not make sense to me to be honest yeah it's shooting for the median so I can't blame her for that.
0: I mean, there's also really another really good one, which is I side with, dot
1: There's multiple ones that do do things differently, but either way, regardless, getting to the root. <laughs> you of just it, said doo doo. Did I? I don't think I did. Either yeah, way, said... regardless, the point is, let's, let's focus, drill down on this, which is, uh, if you take, so clearly you're on the the bottom, in terms of uh, authoritarian versus. Uh, liberty, which is, you don't believe in a state at all, Uh, but left-right, economically, do you think that there is any responsibility for a society, now whether you believe that's a state, or whether you believe it is a tribe, a group, a commune, whatever it is, to provide for the common welfare, or is it every person for themselves?
5: Well, it's it's never every person for themselves, because communities don't work that way. And anarchy doesn't mean there are no communities. Uh, On the contrary, it means that communities uh, govern themselves, to use that word, correctly. So it's not – and that can mean, yeah, welfare states, uh, but without states – so everyone gets a share of, regardless, whatever. I mean, it, 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 it uh, certainly helps everyone. Just because I get something for free doesn't mean I'm lazy. I, 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 I do nothing. And there are people who contribute in so many different ways. I mean, so... there are people who contribute in, in entertainment. So shall he get nothing then? There are people who contribute creatively. Uh, with art, there are people who contribute with ideas, there are teachers, there are, there are farmers, there are whatever. So, I mean, everyone could just have a share. I mean, so that I sounds pretty opponent, I know, but it would, it would work.
0: What, what, what are your thoughts and feelings on direct democracy?
5: Direct democracy in a sense that every decision is the, uh, a state makes is down to a vote?
1: Yeah, I would think that's the literal definition of direct democracy. So I'm as i was aware big of on
0: direct democracy, As far as I'm aware, direct democracy, essentially speaking, is that everybody decides what happens. Like, let's say there's a new road ordinance, you know? People get to vote on said road ordinance or what
5: have you.
1: Right, that's what he said.
5: Yeah, I'm pretty big Direct- on word meanings. I would, I, I, it doesn't, I, sometimes I can't do it because I'm is you know, lacking, and I need to educate myself more. But when I can, I always try to use words the correct way.
0: Here it is. Direct democracy, also known as pure democracies, is a form of democracy in which people decide, e.g. vote on, form consensus on, policy initiatives directly. This differs from the majority of modern democracies, which are representative democracies. Like in ancient Athens, um, you would have, like, town meetings where everyone would be able – everyone who could vote because they were racist and sexist back then. So basically only white – actually, no, only land-owning men could go and vote. But the idea would basically be that anybody who had a say and wanted to make changes in this hypothetical community could go in
5: and make a vote. Well, in – in a sense that everyone can vote, it doesn't matter uh, of what gender or what what color of your skin or which country you come from or uh, what sexual orientation you have or whatnot. It doesn't matter all the, these things do not ma- do not um, uh, tell if uh, these these things do not make you incapable of voting. So, er- so everyone to should have a vote. Example,
0: yes. To use an example, it would be, it would be basically like the Carthian movement.
5: <laughs> we go to that game, yeah, uh, yeah. That 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 would be preferable, and that's uh, perfectly suited for communities, for small communities.
0: Um, for those of for those who don't know what the Carthian movement is, could you explain it, Instagram?
5: Uh, it's not. Uh, it, it doesn't really belong to this uh, podcast, to be honest. Well, like
0: the ideas, the important bits. Yeah, but... the relevant bits
5: it doesn't work uh, in, 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 I mean it's, it's something different It's it, it, I, I cannot explain it. it has no no place here in a political podcast it's not a, something political strictly right. it's just from a game
1: okay but the core question is direct democracy you support that
5: in the sense I explained out earlier yes that everyone should get their uh, votes in a small community why not that that's what that's what self-government means, you know. If you live with people together, you can you can you have to come to a consensus. You have to come to a direction. You have to decide on things. And why not just decide all together?
1: Right, but, but you can the... you can do that in multiple ways. You can do that in what is the typical way of Western democracy, which is representative democracy uh, or republics versus direct democracy. Right. It's it's the difference between. You know, we want to raise taxes or we want to figure out or let's not even say taxes. We want to figure out uh, the best water system for the community. Uh, Do we each elect our own representative to go to the city council and figure out the best water system? Or do we just get everyone in the city to meet at the town center and directly vote on the best water system?
5: Well, why not just research what the best water system is and how what effective how effective it is? I mean, there is math, you know. I don't have to vote on things that are facts and, and are obvious. I can find out what water system is the best way, uh, is, is is the perfect way, and and is the most efficient way. I don't need to vote for that. I just need to vote for people volunteering to research and to educate themselves or find someone who is who has that knowledge and and then to, who is capable of of building it. I don't need to vote on, on such things that are clear than, uh, I mean, a water system. You can find out what the, what's the best water system for this and that location. You can research it. You can learn. You can find it out. That's nothing to really vote for specifically. You vote for people who want to edi- do the research you know, and then present it to the community and then, oh, yeah, great. Awesome. Let's build it together. Uh, well,
1: speaking as an It's engineer, not a good example. Yeah. Well, no, I think it's a perfect example. That's something communities always have to figure out. Speaking as an engineer, there's very rarely a clear-cut number one choice because it absolutely depends on the differences of. uh, I mean, everything has trade-offs. There's nothing that's ever 100% perfect. And so, for you to sit there and say, like, oh well, the community would need to come together and vote on the water system for the community uh, because they would just, you know, somebody could just say here's the best one and they would just do it. Well, the best one is completely depend. I mean, if theoretically, what if the best one is the one that puts an aqueduct right through fifteen people's, um, you know, front yard. Right, those fifteen people. That's not the best solution for them. It might be the most well, efficient why- for the community as a whole.
5: Well, they, they, there's still room for consensus then. I mean, change the front yard. I mean, help with re- uh, just changing the, the lands. I mean, there are gardeners who can switch out the stuff. Uh, it's Land is like, doesn't have to be static. I mean, if it goes through their front yard, then just make it so then uh, that it doesn't go to their front yard. and uh, replace the front yard uh, with something else. I mean, and add something on, on the other side. I, I, It's just, really, this is we are getting in unnecessary detail our- now
1: No, 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 because this is my whole point, which is I think you brush off the details because uh, the, so you say like, oh well, you could just do the research. The reason we have full-time politicians today is nobody has the time to do the research on everything that a community uh,
5: really needs. but that's just because in a modern of- global economy. Yeah but that doesn't exist you know if you if you live in now in the world we created now together in this hypothetical community communal, community system where the, there is direct democracy and the people have time they have all the time they need they don't need to work for te- for taxes they don't need to pay rent they they, they so they, they don't need to to uh, overstrain themselves with endless hours of work they have more hours to educate themselves you know they have time they actually have time
1: well the community still needs resources Right. And so we've already established that some people uh, can contribute other ways that are not direct productivity. Right. Artists, entertainers, things like that. I mean, those people don't provide uh, food, housing, shelter, water, uh, sanitation. Those people don't provide those things. So that means the people that do provide the food, the water, the sanitation, they have to work to provide those resources in order for someone else to be able to provide entertainment. And be able to provide art that's what creates the work it's not yes if you divided it out and said okay everybody's sole task is to make food well then yeah everybody would have to work less than full time because they're only doing they're sharing the load but that's simply not the way it
5: goes why not i would totally do it i have no idea about uh, be- because uh farming then you would have I mean, no art i would i would do it well yeah but because you have enough time i would only need to ah there is a system in place um some uh, uh, ranches uh is yeah, the word the english word for Bauernhof, right um they they do it in germany they they make it a communal option that everyone can work in their ranch and they get a share of the, what what's what's produced, and all of a sudden now this ranch has has insane amount of workers and can produce an insane amount of food now, with the lands they already have. Uh, so so it, it, it with everyone working together, the the what you produce is all of a sudden insanely high, and with the system um, really. I should have had a, provided a link for that, but I didn't know in which direction the show goes. Uh, I would just need to work two hours a week, right? But my on point this is- ranch. I don't have enough time for everything else. I mean, I, I literally just have to, I would even work six hours a week or eight hours a week, maybe 12 hours a week, because I like my community that way. I, I would I would gladly work more for my community that governs itself. And I have we have awesome products and work together and govern ourselves and no one give, tells us to pay taxes or rent or whatever bullshit. <laughs> I would gladly do that.
1: Right. But my point was, those people that are working on that farm... Right, that are working on that ranch providing the food, they're not also doing sanitation. They're not also uh, doing cleaning. They're not also doing arts and entertainment. They're not also doing not? politics. They're not doing all of that at the same
4: time. No, they do Some not. But uh, imagine uh, you have now... Um... A group of people who do sanitation, for example. So they can go to this ranch and do the sanitation stuff and get not paid in money but get paid in food, for example. So that's uh would be all uh again provided for everybody, right?
1: Yes, but okay, so another problem is uh let's say so this this is the real issue is let's say you live in somewhere like um uh somewhere in the desert right i was gonna say and, russia that works too well I'm, I'm just gonna say somewhere in the desert you're not growing a lot of food there you're not there's not an abundance of water the way the typical modern world works is you import food and water into those areas and in return they export other things like in the united states there's a lot of solar energy created in the desert because well they get a lot of sun right and so they export electricity, they export power, uh, they import food and water, right? So the idea that you could just have a small community that's self-sustaining, it works in certain places, uh, that's how, but it mainly works around, for example, riverbeds and coasts, which is why those are hubs of population. But in the modern world, that's not the only place where people live.
4: Yes, you're right. Uh, but imagine uh, such a self-sustaining community and one, one here and one in a desert, right? So this community here has uh, could basically do the same things. They could exchange water and food in exchange for the solar energy, for example, but without uh, money in between. Just uh, these uh, resources exchanging um, amongst each other. Well, okay,
1: so let's it take this to, to the next
4: fair,
0: level. Sorry, I mean, to be fair, currency was made for a reason because a lot of these things couldn't be directly, um, what's the word? <laughs> sorry, so sorry. Um, a lot of these things couldn't be directly exchanged because some things, you know, you don't necessarily need them with miller. Sometimes certain things go bad. So like if you have a currency, like let's say, I want to buy a carton of eggs from you, but your chicken hasn't laid your eggs yet. And I only have my electricity right now. So if I give my electricity to you and you give me currency for it, I can later give you said currency to get your eggs.
1: Well, I think it goes even deeper than that. When you talk about the modern world that needs resources, I mean, think, just, just pick up your cell phone, right? The general cell phone, uh, the parts, the components that go into it are sourced from all over the world. Uh, the typical, let's say, iPhone, right? The glass, the front glass is made in Kentucky, the, it, the United States. Uh, the screen would be made in North Korea. Uh, the processor would be made in Taiwan. Uh, you know, the camera is made in Japan. It's typically made by Sony. The memory comes from North Korea, right? And a lot of it, and even then when you break it down, you say, well, the processor is made in Taiwan, but the silicon and the germanium and the things like that, the, the pieces that make up the processor, uh, they could really only be mined in parts of Africa those are where the heaviest mines for those type of minerals are right these kinds okay, of two things, things. Are, do what? not to quibble but one I'm pretty sure we don't get
0: things from North Korea I think you mean like South Korea also I'm pretty sure germanium doesn't exist naturally for more than 30 minutes
1: uh well I never said North Korea germanium I may have misspoke I was thinking of something else but either way yeah, you said that we get like one of the items from North Korea and I, was like, I didn't what? say North Korea doesn't matter moving on the point is this is a complex piece of technology that's made from all over the world right it's made from components all over the world the idea that you could have any small self-sustaining non-global community that could trade within itself to create something like that uh, it's just it's not feasible like they don't have the resources of the world are concentrated in different areas. You don't find equal allocation of resources all throughout the world, right I mean those are the reasons currency is not exist. needed
5: but the internet already does exist, and it's a great invention um, one of the great inventions already so you can organize things like that you can organize shipments you can organize um, uh, maybe one community you know is specialized in uh, transport you know or has a huge transport uh, um going on you know you know why not
1: well okay so that takes me to my next question if there were no state what would stop these various small communities or communes or what are working groups whatever they are uh from behaving simply the way that capitalist corporations do right that is uh merging creating monopolies etc uh what would it stop them from exploiting those monopolies right i mean if you if you had a community Uh, in that their sole thing was we're going to focus on, we're the community that focuses on providing, you know, titanium, right? Or for, you know, for whatever, or silicon, right? For, for processors, right? So we're the company that provides silicon, a community that provides silicon. And now we've grown and we've uh, starting to exhaust our mine of silicon, right? That was the thing we specialized in. So we're going to merge with another community that does it. Or we're going to take over another community that does it, right? That also provides silicon. I mean, what's to stop that from happening? I mean, modern governments today, part of what they do is they regulate this commerce between.
5: You assume they would let that states. happen. But in my world, we created, uh, well, uh, everyone has the right to defend themselves. So, yes, if uh, what would stop for people from behaving irrationally and uh, not solving things in a natural way is, uh, well, everyone would be armed and able to defend themselves. Well, then
1: I mean, there's we also other uh, Plus,
4: that... it, starts with more, it, so it starts basically in teaching the people morality. That means no stealing, no killing. And such stuff, you know what is morality, you know what is good and what is bad. It is bad to steal, it is bad to conquer another country for uh, greed and uh, such stuff. I think basically it, it needs to start there. And if everybody is moral, so to speak, they would not come up with such ideas to conquer another country and and, and make war and such things.
1: Okay, but who but who does that? If there's no state... To implement that education, who's implementing the education? Who's implementing, but education, who's implementing not, the
5: education? The people
4: themselves would do that. The people Your point themselves. You
5: you are a statist. I'm sorry to state it. So state that. <laughs> so, so uh, um, plainly, you're a statist. You believe that things like that have to come from the state. But no, I uh, mean, I believe education so... doesn't have to come from the state. Education can come from edu- from teachers, from people who can actually know stuff. I believe From in so,
1: Yes, I believe in government and I believe in the public commons. I believe that the government is part of the public commons of the community of a state. So, I so like that makes me a status. This. Sure. That doesn't mean I think the state controls everything. So I'd like but to. It but does
4: right before... the state? The state makes laws. What has to be taught and what has not to be taught. So where's the freedom in that? For example, and there are laws for everything. Basically, there is uh, left no freedom. The state dictates everything almost.
1: Right, but the state right. the state is ideally democratically elected. In that case, what is the difference? Right, I think Absolutely. I think what you guys are getting hung up on is you believe that the state is something that is inherently separate from the people and this is the this is the concept this is a a frustration that I often have when debating about libertarianism which is they point out well the government does these bad things and these bad things stuff like that yeah it does but the government ultimately if you have strong elections and a strong democratic process is a reflection of the will of the people so I don't understand why you believe that if the people were doing it separate from uh, a theory you know this we've created this idea that the state is inherently something different and in some ways uh, it is please. completely and I completely agree with that but i want to jump
5: from theme to theme and i have to stop you because i want to say something you always come cover so many things when you say something but then i i only get a chance to respond to the last thing you said cuz well, okay. there is one important sentence you said You say that um, the government is a reflection of the people. And I would like to, because I'm curious and i like to learn, educate me. Where is that the case? Uh, I mean, I think it's the case everywhere
1: where there is a strong democracy.
4: Uh, Where where, where, where is it then? (laughs) Most of people don't want war, so why do the government make wars then, for example? I disagree.
1: I disagree. I do think most people, I do think there are a lot of people that want wars. This is this is the thing. That, this is my fundamental question. This is what I was getting to. I think that you guys are fundamentally thinking that people think like you
5: and I am saying a no. lot of people don't think like you. I accept that people don't think like me. I just know for I just know them for what they are. If you're one of the people who think wars are good uh, in whatever reason, then to me and I, I don't mean to offend, it's just a definition. Uh, you have an, an imbalance in your brain. When you think war but is the good majority. or something, it, it doesn't matter. The majority, just because a uh, uh, thought process is found in the majority of people, doesn't it make it not imbalanced.
1: Okay, but here's my point. Donald Trump got elected, right? He talked about bombing terrorists, okay? Well, he got elected, so the majority of people said, that's the person that I want to elect, Okay. My point is, and if you look at polls, let's say, even I'm assuming you believe in polls, but if you look at polls of Americans, they would say, we need to be bombing ISIS, right? ISIS is a terrorist group out there. We need to be bombing them. That's not... So if you say they all have an imbalance, I might agree with you. I'm on your side. I don't think that we should be doing that. But the point is, if I'm going to sit here and say that they're imbalanced and therefore they're invalid then therefore that's minority totalitarianism. I'm telling them, I'm telling the majority that they're wrong and they can't have a say in what their society is doing.
5: You assume that they do it out of their own free will without being driven to their mental conclusions. You assume right. a lot of things. You assume freedom, but this is, um, this is a facade. People do not decide on their own that bombing eyes is a good idea. It is a driven conclusion. Well, what makes you think you decided your ideology on your own? What? It's not an ideology. I mean, it's 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 an it's an it's not like make believe of something. I'm I'm just rational here. I'm just a reasonable, and I have, I have, yeah. I say that I have a relatively balanced brain, a relatively so, balanced so, mind. So, so
1: your thoughts, your thoughts, your belief that war is invalid, your belief that the state is a problem, that's all completely rational and pure, and the rest of us are wrong, we're imbalanced.
4: I mean, I don't think- You are uh, you are made to believe these things you believe. For example, as you say you believe war is good. Who made you believe that? Was that on your own? I don't think no children which comes is is born in this world comes with the thinking of war is good or killing is good. No, I I
1: did not say that. I don't (laughs) think war is good.
4: (laughs) I'd I'd, like (laughs) to
0: respond to this. Because if you say that no child is brought into this world with the belief that war is good, then we wouldn't have the fundamental belief that war is good. I believe that in order to be able to properly have a debate, in order to have a discussion, you can't simply say that anyone who is not on my side is imbalanced. You know, I have different views from you, Issa Grim, and you, Eve, but I don't think either of you are mentally imbalanced. I think you have a different opinion from me. I respect that you have a different opinion from me. I respect both of you. And I think that just because you see things differently than I do doesn't make you any better or worse of a person or any dif- smarter or less smart of a person.
5: We have, the difference is that we have a fundamental... Um, different knowledge, you know. You both come from uh, uh, um, uh, thinking, a uh, uh, belief that there is only there, that there, the truth is an opinion. Yeah, I know truth is not an opinion. Truth is not. Uh, truth is just. Uh, it's just what it is. There is just one truth. Uh, you come from a. You both come from a, a, a belief that morality is relative, same as truth. I know. Morality is not something relative. Morality is not something that has been, uh, it needs to be taught through religion. A religion, uh, a religion but inherently, it's uh, the etymology of religion is, is <laughs> to hold back amongst I'd other like things. I'd like to make
0: something very clear. Uh, yeah, I don't but, think either of us thinks that truth is relative.
5: Yeah, no, but no, you no. think truth is an opinion, or no, and opinions are relative, Right. We don't think that truth no. is an opinion. I, I think you're, you're, you're no. I don't think that truth is opinion.
1: I think you think more things are truth than they are. There are certain truths that are not opinion. Two plus two equals four,
5: right? The yep. sun... yeah, you believe in certain truths, but there is only one truth. Is is there is no? Uh, it's it's always singular. Truth is truth. There can't be many truths. Uh, yeah, there can. But, yeah,
1: two there plus can be... two equals four there, there are many things blue. that are true what i'm saying is when you sit here and say that nobody believes war is good absolutely verifiably incorrect i mean hitler thought yeah, war was okay good,
4: yes you're right but who made you made you believe or the children or other people believe that war is good who made that was it the media was it your teachers and then we go farther Who controls the media? Who controls the teachers? Is it the laws who come from governments? Maybe. Or not.
1: Okay. But on the converse side, and this is where I think where the disconnect is, is I think you guys are looking at it like you have some special, uh, that you've risen above this, right? That you're impervious to these kinds of influences. I could just as easily say, well, who told you that government is control of the mind? Where did that come from? Who influenced you to believe that? Who influenced you to believe yeah. that it's can insanity that. to have to believe that uh, that you know the state is uh, controlling? That the state can't do anything. One by
5: one, good. let's let's just one by one, one by one, because you, you answer me, three, you give me three things, and I can only respond to one, because I am not uh, I cannot note the uh, themes as fast as you tell them. So who's okay, it's, who, it's who, it's who, rhetorical? Yeah,
1: it no, it's rhetorical. not rhetorical. These I'm are, not, I'm not asking questions. you to respond to answer. each
5: one. I can, but I can answer them. These are valid questions.
1: No, because no, that's how you I don't want you to answer the individual ones because that's but how you why? split hairs. It's, it's very, because that's how you it, split hairs. I want you to no, answer the fundamental problem that I have which is that you believe that your what you think is true and that everyone else is subject to this idea. You what you believe is that your ideology is impervious to outside uh, outside influence. And what I'm saying is everyone's perception of the world is based on outside influences the way they were raised their different inputs i don't be, i
5: do not yeah, fundamentally believe true. that you are any different than anyone else no but but uh, yeah i'm not any different in a sense from that i'm not worth more or less i i give you that but but to 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 give you just the the answer you're looking for is that uh, i when you look on the system what 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 gets taught in schools? What gets gets taught in kindergarten? It's not uh, it's not natural. It's not it is strictly regulated by whom? And these are institutions that control mindsets. You know, uh, depending on which schools you can go, depending on what kindergarten, and uh, depending on the education of your parents, uh, depending on how you are are uh, guided uh, through um, uh, learning yourself this, this forms the mind this forms the character you know and this can be undone and regulated and you can evolve and you can you can but but still it, it it's a huge influence and the most influence that someone has in their their way of thinking about things comes in from the government it comes from how you are raised it comes from what education your parents had what education you have yeah education education it comes from what religion Again, you know, these are all manipulations, you know. You you don't get taught in schools what's relevant in life. You get taught in schools what's relevant to be a, a, a resident, a citizen, not a human. You get,
4: you get what what is important to the government, basically. You do not get teached what is good for the whole world, for your community, for yourself. You only get teached what your government wants you to be teached.
1: But how would the abolition of the state correct that?
5: There were there would be no regulation on what doesn't get taught. Now all of a sudden we can teach the trivium again and make children learn how to come to the right conclusions. And that, that, not that, be that, anymore. that
0: that 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 simply doesn't work that way because you yes I, I will grant you that government does have some overreach when it comes to teaching it does ban certain things from being taught. However, when when you say you know we'll teach them to think the right way that in and of itself is a problem because everyone should be able to come to their own line of thinking. Everyone should be able to come up with
4: their own ideas. And when you have Okay this and what span do you do with people knowledge sorry, on But what do you teaching, do with people who think the right thing is to murder someone? Because they made that up. What do I, you do with such people then?
1: But my uh, point because but this is not point. right. But here's my point. How does the abolition of state advance that? Are you really insinuating that you were, if you were to abolish, that you were, if you were to abolish the idea of the state, that, for example, uh, the people in uh, in uh, the people that are uh, controlling ISIS territory in Syria and Iraq wouldn't be teaching their children fundamentalist Islam and the importance of. Uh, Jihad and attacking non believers of their religion.
0: I mean, honestly, that was basically just the point that I was going to make. Because, we like, if you game. have a community a college, and you awesome. have no rules as to what you can teach, then you can have these people who, as you can, as you would like to say, are indoctrinated teach. Whatever they feel like they they will want the next generation to know. Perhaps that is that being gay is wrong, and that you should love Jesus more than everybody else. You know, and you should always go to church every Sunday, and that you know you should be intolerant to any of those who have a different religion than you, because they're all sinners. But is who that are rational?
5: Is 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 that reasonable?
4: This is not moral and not natural. I, I mean, agree. I agree, that. but they
5: don't. Yeah, but my, the point is to have uh, these to have people in a community with a rational mind work together, and that works. How do you how do
0: you how do you do this? Like, unless you go for you know, I think it's Richard Spencer, right? Unless you go for like Richard Spencer's air quotes peaceful genocide, there's no way you can just get rid of all the people you consider to not be rational. In fact, if anything. By creating this society, you're either going to have people that are born not rational, and then despite the effects—sorry, not the effects—despite the efforts of the community continue to be this way. No matter what they're taught, they essentially maintain their current belief structure, and as a result, they want to grow up and then change the community and change the belief structure, or— you know you have people in this community who are already grown up and already have this belief structure and then you either have to uproot them from the community or just go along with what their views are and you ultimately end up in a situation in which you have all these people who you don't like because you don't like their views so you just continually boot them out of your
5: community the answer to that is simply is uh, simple and you, you it's simple because in education people and elemen- uh, children in elementary school they need to be taught the trivium and then you could not and then you could not have religious influences because then these people who got taught the trivium would always ask what who why when why and how what the fuck is going on uh, excuse my language you can cut it out uh, what uh, this is an explicit is podcast on.
0: curse all you damn uh, well, please
5: okay sorry i i'm getting um. <laughs> My temper is getting through. So the, 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 the solution to, the, to what you described is simple. Just teach children trivium and religious doctrine or governmental doctrine would have no hold. Because these people would always ask behind things, would always come to, would always research, would always want to know how and why, who, what, when, would always go deeper into any subject. And because doctrine only works on people who do not ask. But, right. But
1: my point is, my question is, how do you enforce that? I mean, you're, you, again, you go back to this, you keep going back to this concept of teaching the idea of free will and free thought, but the nature of extremists and fundamentalists is they don't want you to have free will and free thought. They use education to indoctrinate. I 100% agree with that.
5: As the government does?
1: Uh, I, no, I think, well... We've Does the government allow
5: you to to know the trivium when you come from kindergarten?
1: Honestly,
0: right. I like I I don't mean to sound like a gigantic moron here. But what the fuck is trivium?
5: <laughs> See, and uh, that's that's my point. Yeah, go to. Uh, can I can I say a website name in this podcast? All can right. I just put out the the website name because it's very important. It's highly educational. Whatever belief you have it's very clarifying and uh, rational it's what have been what has been taught to to free people when there were uh, some okay it's um, it's the trivium and the uh, not only it's it's the, the all seven liberal arts and um, the website is uh, triviumeducation.com t r i v i u m education.com got it i mean you posted the link in the chat what is it and in in the roman um, empire um only uh romans romans got taught this and everyone else um they were strictly forbidden to notice and even back then every every slave where, where every slave to be <laughs> brutally honest and correct was forbidden to notice,
4: like we are today, so that so, implements a question: Are we slaves, or not?
1: Well, I do find but it ironic quotes. that that you're pulling a an, an education theory from a group of people who not only owned slaves but then prevented those slaves from learning that education theory, and you think that's going provi- to promote rational. it's
5: not for them. It's from the. It's from ancient Greece. It's not from Romans. Okay. It's from and the ancient, ancient, Greece, ancient Greeks. Ancient
1: Greeks from... owned slaves, too.
0: Yeah. In fact, the Athenians were actually kind of worse about it. In Spartans, their society was just mostly slaves, and then a bunch of warriors to make sure the slaves didn't have any uprisings.
2: Does that make them wrong or something?
1: They knew why they did <laughs> Exactly, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> well, I think it makes them hypocrites. I mean, again, it goes back to the whole point is, you've argued that there's a set of things that's rational and sane, and that if you were to teach these fundamentals, you wouldn't have rational, or you wouldn't have irrational and insane people. And yet, the fundamental thing that you want to teach to get rid of those people was created by people that own slaves. So clearly, but, but it didn't still, work for them. It, it, it,
5: now, this mental thought process basically makes sure that the mind is free and, 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 and knows what's going on and doesn't get duped by stuff. And, 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 and that, yet... that's the, the mental um, – that's what it does. If you if you learn the trivium, if you know what the trivium is in the quadrivium, then you know you, your mind cannot be uh, duped by doctrine. That's the thing. And that's yet... why they taught their free men and, and women these trivium equadrium – quadrivium, I'm sorry. And yet – because. Free men people owned between. slaves Yeah, but still, it, it makes it valid They, they, got, they, they were unable to get your Does white it? doctrine Yeah, I, I, don't have to, I don't have to want to own slaves to still value what they found out, and still value that they didn't teach their slaves, and I'm not allowed to learn that in school I had to look it up as an adult, you know so, Because so I was raised a slave so, there, in an so, adult side.
1: so their slavery was rational and sane
5: I didn't say that. I, I didn't even hint at it. You just made so it then, up.
1: So then their education didn't eliminate irrationality and insanity. Uh, yeah, exactly. They didn't do that. So how is it going to work in the future? Because they also had a governmental structure, you know? Well, wait, by so, definition, the trivium, they... so the Trivium didn't eliminate the government either? So how is well, it going to work for us?
5: Because if you want to live in a society where there is no government, we need to uh, – there are some mechanics in place that make sure that free people then get duped. But it
1: didn't and work for the, the Greeks. It, why would
5: it work for us? Well, it worked for them perfectly. No slave, no slave got taught the trivium. Only the free people learned it, so they were on top. It worked perfectly for them. So don't, don't screw with my words. Just because they, they, they had a bad society. I don't feel like you comprehend what you're saying. Well, I don't. You you you're twisting my words. Just because they no, they not. they had, they were evil in the, in the, in the sense that uh, they held held slaves, doesn't mean all of their research was invalid. My
1: question is fundamentally this: If you what you're saying is this concept of education came from the Greeks, those Greeks not only still had a state, they owned also owned slaves, then how do you plan to use that system of education? ...to eliminate both the, sla- the state and
5: immorality. I didn't say that. I, it, it's, it's not the system that eliminates state and, morality, uh, and immorality. It's not the system that, that, that eliminates it. it this uh, ment- this uh, mental system eliminates the, the inability to be indoctrinated. That's all it does.
1: Did it all eliminate right. the ability no. to be reach, indoctrinated into the that, idea of slavery
5: you... for the Greeks... No. No, no.
4: In, what in, what in, I in basically in, say is uh, we need to learn from this uh, past... Past... Um, oh, it's, it's our... Failure fellow versus fellow From the past wrongs, we need to learn. And they had slaves because they didn't teach the slaves the trivium. We would like to educate everyone equally, so everyone has uh, the the possibility to learn this trivium so everybody would has would not be able to be controlled through religions through state or through whatever and can build his own moral and with and uh, natural in co- in in coordination with natural law his own good mind without indoctrination it was uh, so there would be no slaves because that is not right to make slaves
0: all right all right so all this is very interesting and i I do think it's interesting to talk about but so far mostly myself and paul have been asking questions uh brett do you have anything you want to ask anything topics you want to delve into
2: well i mean i think i can touch on this a little bit i mean I feel like the education, it doesn't really delve into morality so much as just like practically like how you keep your mind clear. And um, sure, like slavery in the ancient days could have made perfect sense back in that time. But does that make it morally right? No. But once again, like if you don't have any morality there and you're learning something that is very useful, it still could be useful to today. You just have a morality with it. You look at it through a moral lens. Um, There
5: is an intelligent person talking. Thank you. No, no, no.
1: Let's be clear. Not once have I argued that you shouldn't teach it, that it's not important to teach these uh, concepts that you're talking about. I 100% agree with that. Where I disagree with you is the idea that that's the key to eliminate statism. and I didn't uh, say that. Well, then what's the key? right? The whole thing that we've been pushing back against is this idea that seems to be that, that you seem to, to express that it's the government that maintains uh, conflict and that if we simply got rid of that, that communities on their own wouldn't engage in conflict, they wouldn't engage in promoting fundamentalism or indoctrination. And then we said, well, how do you do that? And you said, well, you, you teach the trivium is one way to do it, and that teaches free thought. So, to everyone. I added that. That's what. That's very important. Okay. To but, everyone. Okay. But what you're saying is that teaches against the insanity. That teaches against uh, moral relativism, right? That it teaches towards moral truth. Because you talked earlier that there's only one truth. That you believe truth, that you believe morality is fundamental. It's not relative. Correct? Yeah. Okay. So if this is a way, and then you said that this is a way that you would teach that, right? That this that concept of trivium is a way that you would teach someone that morality is not relative. Yes, it's definitely a uh, uh, starting point, yes. And my point was that when it was taught to the Greeks, it didn't stop them from owning slaves.
5: Because it, it wasn't taught to everyone. It just was, and, and yes. it's it just a starting why?
1: point... Why did it need to it be taught it, to the slaves for the people that owned the slaves to know that Because their dro- it would they ensure it. that
5: their uprising would occur if if the, if the majority of the people of the world would know the trivium then we then that would be dangerous to the government
1: But that doesn't Okay but the, so what you're saying is that does not
5: uh you're talking about equality of education which I completely agree with you ask well, for yeah, a starting but... point, and I gave you a starting point. It's not the solution to the whole problem. It's a process, and that starts with the trivium, in my point of view. It starts with the right education. It starts with, with um, uh, raising a, a generation of people who are not indoctrinated by religion or government. It starts by raising a, a generation of people who, who can think for themselves, who are curious in general over all courses in their life.
2: Wait, right, um, and I don't. So you said that there's objective morality, so where where does the objective morality come in?
5: What do you mean? Where does it come in? It surrounds you. I mean, what it is, surrounds is, all is the your objective behavior.
2: Objective morality.
5: Oh. What? What I mean is, it's objectively immoral to kill someone. It's objectively immoral to to hurt someone I mean, if not if not all in self defense. Let, let's no, in, really. it, let's can, I, I can talk an hour about this. I'm sorry. You asked. Let's, let's 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 pose the classic <laughs> I mean, question. I'm under the trolley problem that morality is relative. It's all like right.
2: Let's pose subjective.
5: the classic.
1: No, 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 Amr, Let I I mean I'm interested to see where Brett goes with this. All
2: so, right. like, um, if there's if there's a If morality is like objective, it doesn't really matter if it's like objective or not, because um, someone with like a subjective form that comes in and say like their virtues are like slightly more like survivable than like the objective virtues, they're still going to like take over that culture or that civilization. So I don't really get the point of like bringing people back to an objective morality. Like, what is that even, and how can you get people to agree
5: on that? Well, you, as you mentioned that you you said that someone with a more subjective point uh, or idea of morality, even if he doesn't believe it, whatever he wants to preach it, I don't care, and he tells this his super a subjective form of morality to other people, then the the trivium and quadrivium would assure that questions arise, so he would not immediately just take over.
2: Okay. So, um, so
5: if you teach, uh, if you teach, the ch- if you teach uh, children um, the uh, an objective morality, no religion, bullshit, whatever. No, no, no government. Yeah, they don't have it. They don't have to pay taxes. They don't have to worry about these things, or rent or whatever. If you teach them the, the trivium and quadrivium, and they learn to think for themselves, and the overall careers, you all of a sudden have scientists, artists, whatever, and laborers, and 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 workers who are uh, professors, and you, because people, when they have time and or, and their their knowledge and when intelligence, they're interested in 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 various things, you know, and and. You you would have a form of society rising from this t- type of generation that get that got taught right, educated right. That's.
2: But just, in order for this to work, wouldn't everyone need to like reach the same end, like morality? Like if people just choose like different morals, then it obviously won't who, work.
5: Who's everyone?
2: Would it
5: would start by the the. Um, if um, everyone knew
2: this, then they wouldn't like believe. Any like objective or like claim to be objective morality like given by religion or the state So what do you mean
5: claimed objective? I mean
2: for themselves So
5: if I ask you, is it wrong to hurt someone without reason without defense?
2: I would say no, but that would be still I believe it's still it's not
5: hurt It's it's not wrong to hurt someone without reason so you believe that that punching someone who looks weaker than you is right? No, I don't believe it's right. Ah, okay, so, so that was a misconception. Inter- mis- um, okay, so you, you agree with me then. Just hurting someone uh, is, is wrong without, uh, if it's not self-defense. So you also agree on the, that killing someone uh, without uh, self-defense is yeah, like extreme measure of But like
2: also who would disagree. Yeah, but
5: now we have to find out if, if objective morality exists, you know. And now we found several things we agree on all of a sudden
1: yeah okay so let me pose this question that's from my
2: background i mean i come from a judeo-christian society where like biblical values and like western values were instilled in me.
0: you know thou shalt not kill and all that if
2: you if you raise they did like experiments with like uh, monkeys and they like basically like stole the children and they raised them in like complete isolation and then um, they, they brought them into, like, tribes of, like, you know, regular monkeys who were perfectly well socialized. And basically what happened is the monkeys just uh, neglected the person and, like, isolated them. And that person, I mean, the monkey, like, killed its baby and it was doing all this screwed up shit because it didn't care about life very much. And if you look at neglect cases with children, I, I remember it was, like, this girl who'd been neglected... her her inner childhood and like when when there's no morality instilled to you at an early age there's kind of a vacuum there and like yeah she had problems with like abusing her siblings and like her foster family and stuff like that so yeah once again like i don't think that there's like a a super agreeable like objective morality that people can get around well, and, wait, are you talking
0: about sure, I mean there's to... like
2: obvious areas I guess yeah. like 99% of people Would agree on But if you break it down to like What's What's like the best like form Of like uh, Marriage or like should people Be like separated into families Like those are questions That like people disagree on.
1: Well and this gets to my point and I 100% agree with Brett here. Ironically, oh my gosh, <laughs> I know. Guys, no, but... stop the phones. <laughs> no, but but I do. I think he brings up a good point, which is, um, look, I believe, I believe in objective morality, but that's because uh, my definition of that is, I think, probably very similar to Isagrim. My point, though, my whole point this whole time has been that I don't think everyone in the world agrees. On that, I don't think everyone in the world would agree on that objective morality. Exactly.
5: Yeah. Unfortunately, yes, you're right, and the majority of the world doesn't 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 know enough to agree on it.
1: So I so my whole point has been, I don't see how you build a future theoretical society if you can't. Get uh, I myself, I don't see it either. Objective morality. Well, it
5: starts by the right to even form a society, but that, doesn't, that, that right doesn't exist. Where is the right for people to govern themselves, to form an own society? It, which country allows that? In Germany, I can't do it. In America, you can't do it. Yes, you can. You still have to abide by the law, I'm sorry. You can form communities, yes. If yes, you, you can don't have...
0: like the law, then you get someone to run for public office who disagrees with that law, and then you gather support for ending that law, and essentially speaking, that law is ended. We had this thing in the 1960s called Jim Crow. Quite a few people did not like Jim Crow and the Jim Crow laws. As a result, support was raised against it, and the law no longer exists for the laws.
5: Well, well, that's not what I meant. And, you know, it's, I meant you're not allowed to form communities of your own.
1: With that, uh, I think we'll end this episode of the podcast. Uh, as always, you can contact us at uh, fairlypoliticalpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, get in touch with us on the Facebook group, Fairly Political Podcast. Um, uh, also, the podcast is available on iTunes, Google Play, uh, Pocket Casts. Um, and if you there's a public rss feed uh, posted on the facebook group i believe uh, if you want to subscribe directly to it if you have any questions concerns hit us up on one of those contact messages or one of those contact methods and uh, until next week uh, thanks for joining us